I'd like to welcome you guys to the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Knight. Here we will discuss competition hunts, pleasure hunts, and anything else dealing with the hunting dog. It is our sole purpose to bring awareness to preserve the sport of hunting with dogs. Without further ado, let's collar our dogs and send them on through the country. Today's word comes from Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, 3. Hey guys, we'd like to thank Precision Aluminum Fabrication for their support in sponsoring the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. Precision Aluminum Fabrication is located in Amit, Louisiana. You can contact them through their Facebook page at Precision Aluminum Fabrication or their website at www.precisiondogbox.com. They specialize in custom aluminum welding from custom dog boxes, aluminum water tanks, aluminum toolboxes, all built to the customer's request. They guarantee the best price on the market without giving up top quality work. If you're in the market for a new dog box, give them a shout. Leave them a message on Facebook or PrecisionDogBox.com. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Timber Creek Dog Supply, our go-to for everything hunting dog related. Timber Creek has been in the dog supply business for 20 years and supports multiple tree and running dog organizations. Check them out at TimberCreekSupply.com or on Facebook at Timber Creek Dog Supply. Today on the Hunting Dog Public, we got Mr. Keith Suttmiller. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from, sir. Okay, Chris. Uh, first, let me just start off by saying that uh, when you called me and asked me and visited with me about would I be willing and uh, to maybe do this podcast with you. I kind of counted it a privilege just to get the opportunity and that you, you know, somebody thought enough of me to reach out to me and, and give me this, you know, just to see if I could say something that somebody might find interesting and share some of my experience stuff. But I just wanted to thank you for that to start with. But um, yeah, I'm from McAllister, Oklahoma. And, um, uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I mean, I've I've hunted since I was a small child. I mean, just my fondest memories from a little, just a small boy, you know, probably oh six, seven year old or five, six. I mean, really little. My dad and grandpa and all of us, we, you know, we spent a lot of hours in the woods, and uh, that was our pat, that was our entertainment as a child, and what we did for to get away and for fun and spent time together. So I did this for many, many years. And, of course, that was a different time back in them days. I tell people, you know, now you see even small kids walking around with a smartphone and they at their fingertips they got all the, I mean, games and videos and just all sorts of things that entertains them and occupies them. Well, of course, we didn't have that back in our time and and really hunting was a big thing and even from an early childhood and uh we always and we had all kind of hunting dogs tree dogs we even had rabbit beagles my dad loved to bird hunt back in them days we had quite a few quail and uh we just we just did a little bit all of it but tree dogs has always been my biggest passion that's right we uh we show there's something about a tree dog that that is is intriguing, and I guess it gets our 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 motor running, you know. 
it does. Like I said, I can appreciate, you know, we had some fun. We used to keep a pack of rabbit beagles, and we had a lot of fun. And, and then, like I said, Dad always kept a good bird dog, and it was fun to watch a good bird dog work. I can I can appreciate about any kind of a hunting dog, but I don't know. There's something about the tree dog factor. Uh, it's like that, you know, just hearing that dog or listening for it in there, and then all of a sudden hearing it come treed and know that it should have the game, whether you're out there during the day squirrel hunting or you're out at night coon hunting. It's just, I don't know, it's just something that's always the, the tree, and, you know, has been something that really kind of got me. It had to be my favorite. I know that's right. It show, show has me by the, by the hand, I tell you. Yeah, and... Uh, of course, I've seen a lot of things, Chris, through the years. I've, I've did this, and even on the, of course, you know, the competition side, and where things has evolved to where they are today, it's it's come a long way. And I really thought back, like the competition squirrel hunts. Really, I, I was asked back years ago, did I think they would ever get as big or pay out anything like a competition coon hunt? And back at that time, I told people, no, I don't think that it ever will. And I said for for several reasons. I said, Boy, was thing, we wrong. <laughs> was we wrong? Was we wrong? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't hardly believe it even yet, you know, the kind of prize money that there is now in some of the squirrel hunts and stuff. But but I just didn't think I would ever see it way back there. And, uh, but, and, and I was going to say for these reasons, you know, you didn't have as many Say a forty dog squirrel hunt. That's really a pretty. That's still even to this day is a pretty nice squirrel hunt if you draw forty dogs. But you know, I tell people you go to the world squirrel hunt back then, and and you draw maybe I just use that number forty. Say you forty dogs there, but you go to the world coon hunt, there might be five or six hundred dogs there, and and then also just the difference in there's always seemed like been some real serious competition coon hunters for a lot of years. Of course, it might be because the competition coon hunts date way back. I mean, you know, they've been around a long, long time, even, of course, a lot longer than competition squirrel hunts. But you just had more serious competition coon hunters than you did competition squirrel hunters. That's right. You're exactly right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm asked sometimes, are dogs better today than they was back then? They're really not a bit better today than they was back then, but there's more better dogs. In other words, they're back then, say, if you went to this, I used that number 40, say there was 40 dogs there, there really might only be about five, sure enough, really top-shelf competition-type squirrel dogs out of the 40. They, the rest of them mostly was good little old meat dogs that people hunted and killed a lot of squirrels with, but really, really, they wasn't actually good competition dogs for various reasons. They may not be the right kind of a tree dog that stay tight on the tree. They may not could take pressure. They might even be a little intimidated when put in a cast with other dogs. But And so you didn't see that many top dogs back then, but, but some of them that I remember back then could compete, I promise you, today at the highest level, but there just wasn't as many of them. Where now, if you go to a hunt and there's 40 dogs there, my goodness, I mean, could be that almost every one of them's got a pretty strong shot of doing something, and, and for sure the majority of them, I would say. 
Yeah, we've uh, we've touched on that in 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 recent podcast about you know you know today you know you get anybody that goes to a hunt's got a chance to win. They are you know they are packing dog power at you know at the the top you know twenty five dogs that that show up at a hunt. I mean they love to you know it, they swapping back and forth every other week. You know they are. You just got some real serious dog men now and then. And then, of course, with the kind of prize money, they've they've determined what it does take to win. And if they stay in it very long, they're going to keep, you know, keep up till they come up with that type of a dog that can compete. And you're right. I mean, now, really, at these hunts, uh, I mean, any dog can, uh, you know, probably stands a chance of winning that hunt almost every dog that's entered into it. That's right. Yeah. Like the coon hunts, you know, there's a, you know, like with them pro sport hunts, you know, there's always that tier of dog in my opinion that show up to those hunts and any any weekend any given weekend one or the other can win you know you're exactly right i've watched that you don't you don't very seldom see i mean you see certain dogs winning more than you know they win their share here and there but as far as just the same dog winning every weekend and like you said in the squirrel hunts or the coon hunts it's not happening i mean there's too many good dogs out there and and, you know, then you get down to the point where you get two or three dogs that's all capable of winning, then you kind of get down to who who draws the right breaks. I mean, if you're in a squirrel hunt, uh, you can have an accurate squirrel dog, but if you're training a bunch of dens and another dog's squirrels is on the outside, or, I mean, there is some luck that plays into it. It really does. And so when you, when you get in that caliber of competition, then you just hope that you catch the breaks you need and, you know, and everything works out for you on that given day or night. I know that's right because you and I both, we've been in them, and it does just take a, I mean, you could dominate a cast, you know, you know, conditions could be terrible, and you could make three or four trees and, you know, good legit dens, and you got a dog that, you know, I hate to say it, but you you love to walk one over a squirrel, and, you know, in my opinion, the better dog didn't win that day, but, oh, uh, it, I mean, it did, though, but it did win. So, you know, there's that. So, Yeah, and Chris, you're 100% right, and I've seen the very same thing. I mean, I've been out on casts where sometimes it was my dog or sometimes it was somebody else's dog that really was, was the best dog, obviously, that day. But then some other dog, I've really seen what you just said. I've seen dogs that didn't even hardly hunt very good and walk them over a squirrel and they'd score it. And maybe, it, like you said, another dog makes some den trees and never get to see a squirrel knowing they had them. And really, the dog that lost that day, I mean, showed heads and shoulders above the dog that turned out to be the winner. But that just that's just part of competition. Anything can happen when you enter, you know, so you just never know. That's exactly right. And we have, uh, like I said, we've all seen that happen. Well, uh what do you want to you want to go and you want to touch on some of your dogs and how you got your start and what you started with because you know i'm a i'm a big fan of the bird dog cross and and when you hear of bird dog crosses you know your name is in the dictionary so let's hear it okay let me before i i'll, I'll be glad to talk about that but let me Absolutely. just write, but we was talking about the competition yes, squirrel sir. hunts and where they've come to. I want to give a little recognition before I mess around and, Shoot, and forget yeah. about it. Uh, you know, I think, I mean, there's a lot of people that's credits due. There's a lot of people that's made it what it is today. But just, just 
And if I miss somebody that feels like they should have been mentioned, well, and I probably will, will forgive me, but I'm just going to mention maybe two or three guys, three or four guys that comes to my mind that I think really deserves recognition. I'm going to start with Joey Poston just because Joey had uh, being such a competitor like he was and always having a top dog on the end of his lead from an early, even from the time I first got acquainted with him several years ago, he just kind of thrived on the competition and he didn't really ever try to shun it. He was one of them kind that if he went somewhere, he kind of wanted to draw the best dog there. He just did. He, you know, he felt like if he couldn't beat the best one there, you know, well, he probably shouldn't be there, but he was kind of had that mentality. But when he come up, you know, he contacted me way back there and I know he did some other people, when he got the idea about the Joey, well, it wasn't even called the JPI or the Joey Poston invitation at this time. It was just that he had the kind of had the idea of bringing together some of the best squirrel dogs that you know he knew about or could hear about that was out there, and some of the best squirrel dog men that was serious that hunted them kind of dogs, and to be able to bring the bring together the best dogs for kind of a hunt off and awarding a sizable you know, payout to the winner and the elimination format and stuff. So uh, I'm really trying to remember. I was at the first one, you know, and it was nine dogs. And that was, I want to say, I mean, it's probably been, I wish I knew exactly what year. You might even remember, Chris, but I want to say it's been like seven, eight, maybe could be nine years. I know time gets away from you, but probably, i tell you what, it's probably been seven or eight, I think, the first one. But anyway, uh but I want to give him that that almost seemed like that jump started some stuff when when he got that put together and and brought people that was a lot of excitement in the air for that first hunt so I want to want to give Joey some recognition of course I think the world of Joey but he had that idea of doing that and then he got Greg Maynard behind you know kind of got him on board of course Greg was not only uh, a competitor in that hunt but Greg is a very very good promoter He's a people's person. I don't know anybody myself personally that don't like Greg. And he's just, uh, he's got the kind of personality. He's just, like I said, he's an outstanding promoter. People like him. He knows how to go about it. Well, he got behind all that. So he put in some, you know, he put in a lot of effort and work and stuff to bring the hunts to the Joey Poston and then the USDC and, and other hunts. But he did a lot. I mean, a whole a whole, whole lot for the squirrel hunts, uh, Greg did. And then, of course, the islands, I I want to mention them, Jeff and Norman. Uh, of course, I, I thought the world of Norman, and it was a sad day when I got the news about Norman. And it was a sad day in the whole squirrel hunting world because he was a first-class gentleman, in my opinion, and I really liked him a lot, and, and Jeff also, and they they did a lot. I mean, when Norman was able and was still here, he did a lot, and Jeff's did so much. And so them guys, I mean, they've they've really worked hard and and played a part. And I might mention one more guy. I know Rod Hardy. Uh, Rod promoted squirrel hunts, and uh, I know NSD and and but others. And I know he spent a lot of his time for sure, and probably a lot of his own money going up and down the roads just trying to promote and push and make squirrel hunts bigger and better and you know he had a good i know he was looking out for the betterment of the sport and trying to promote competition squirrel hunts but just just these guys here i just felt like i wanted to give them all some recognition because i know there's others but th- them comes to my mind that they all played a big part in what 
what squirrel hunts are today and what kind of money that we're hunting for and hunting for trucks and everything in squirrel hunts that like you and I both said that I I really you know didn't think I'd ever see it years ago but but it's here you know it has been and looks like it's going to stay so I just felt like I'll give them guys uh, they're all friends of mine but even if they wasn't it don't matter they they deserve recognition in my opinion so I wanted to give a shout out to them guys I think you you uh you hit the nail on the head you know the the Joey Poston and Greg and you know Mr. Norm and Jeff and then Rod like I said he had Rod had helped me you know anytime I you know if we'd be on a cast or something and it may be a Saturday and he may not even be at a hunt heck he would answer the phone you know uh so yeah, you're exactly right. He he come to some of my hunts. Uh, that you know he drove a long way, and I'm gonna be honest. He drove a he drove a long way to come to a thirty dollar hunt. You know, uh, so I you know I appreciated him for that. Uh, you know Jimmy Inman with NSD. There he's he's you know he's a kind of a one man show. He does a lot. Uh, you know the Bob and and them do a lot with the UMCA. Bob Osborne. Uh. You know, yeah. I'm not really familiar with the with the OMCBA guys, but I know that they kind of keep, uh, you know, they're trying to keep it going and stuff. So, uh, like I said, I kind of, you know, I'm appreciative to to all the the registries that we get to uh, to hunt with and stuff like that. So, you know, and again, like you said, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's done growing. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that. You know, I, I'm going to have to not say take a back seat, but I, I'm kind of going to have to slow my my roll because to, to to be there for my kid and his sports activities, you know, I can't physically keep a dog hunted up, you know, in, 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 the, in the competition shape to go down up and down the road, you know. So I'm going to have to, you know, it may take me two weeks to, to hunt a dog that, that, you know, that, that to get it ready for where somebody else can get one ready in two or three days, you know, but again, like I said, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna have to slow down a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna hit some of these local stuff. And as long as Payson's not shooting or playing football or baseball or basketball and sporting clays, I mean, heck man, they, they keep, he keeps me, he keeps me wound up. Yeah, I understand, and it is hard. A lot of people don't realize, but to keep a dog really sharp and hunt ready and, and I mean, to really show up and win your share and, and really compete everywhere you go, I mean, there's there's a lots and lots of time and a lot of footwork goes into I tell people a hunting dog's not like a power tool. You can't just set it up on a shelf and leave it for a month or two and when you get ready to use it, expect to just pull it down and plug it in, and it should work and do just as good as the last time you put it up. A, a dog, it's a constant trying to keep their mind right, keep them physically in shape, keep them healthy, keep them, you know, just keep them sharp. And, you know, and it's, it's, there's a lot involved in that, and some people really, really don't get it. But the, the guys that end up in the winner's circle quite a bit and has had a lot of success, they they know quite well that uh, there's a lot involved. It's a it ain't just the, all the dog. It's the dog's got to have the uh, ability, and it's got to it's got to. You could put no telling how much time in the wrong dog was still not very good results. But even when you got the right dog that's got the capability, then really so much falls back on the man behind it, just trying to hunt it and keep it right and to handle it in the right way, not to not to mess it up or to make a lot of maybe some foolish handling mistakes that could really affect that dog. And there's a lot, lot more to it than the average person 
unless you did it, you know, would they ever really think that there is. That's exactly right. And I mean, it is tough, you know, you know, especially if you got a full time job, you know, you, you know, nine times out of 10 people that are working the eight to fives can't hunt, you know, in the mornings. I've, I'm fortunate, you know, to where I can schedule my appointments, you know, at nine, you know, but I may not get to hunt that evening because it may be dark getting home, you know, so uh, I just have to get in where I fit in, I guess is what the best way to put it. If, if I can hunt him or hunt her, you know, then I can, you know, it's just, I got to do it when it, when I can. And right now, physically, you know, if I'm, if I'm leaving work, you know, it's usually to go to a ball game or a doggone uh, sporting clay shoot. And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because there ain't you know i'd a lot rather be there with him you know and my wife but again i just you know i'm i'm will always have a competition dog or something that i can haul and come shoot the junk with everybody and i mean i love i love the fellowship and the i love talking dogs more than anything as if anybody couldn't tell with this podcast but oh uh, i mean literally <laughs> other than you know outside of church and my family or my family in church i mean i'm a dog talker <laughs> well chris we appreciate people like you and you know it lets a lot of people i know the podcast has become a little more popular these last few years because i've watched several of them myself and uh and i find them entertaining i always enjoy listening to the people that I know that's been around and, you know, dog people. And, and I always like to hear their ideas and their input. And uh, so, but, you know, I was going to say, of course, I told you about, you know, just from the, my background, from the time I was little having the dogs. And then when I got up and become a grown man on my own and had kids of my own, I really, I, I coon hunted back then, but then there was a period of time where I just got, I just kind of went the squirrel dog direction when my kids was small I've got two daughters and a son, and the son's my youngest child. And I wanted to do something that my boy especially could do like I did with my dad and my grandpa. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, do something that I could involve him, and I knew I really couldn't keep him out all night, several nights during the week, and expect him to do good in school and not get sleepy and all that. So I really just got out of coon hunting back in them days for, for several years, and all I did was squirrel hunt only, trying to kind of make it where I could, you know, involve him and my and even my other uh, daughter and my kids. And uh, so we uh, we did that, and uh, now the last few years, I actually, I just never could completely get the coon hunting out of my blood, so I, I got back to coon hunting, and I squirrel hunt both, but... Like I said, there were several years there. All I did was squirrel hunt only. But um, what um we can touch on your, on you know let's let's talk the squirrels and then we'll I, you know I know you're you've been successful in the in the coon hunts as well. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you about the on the squirrel dog thing. Once I got once we had squirrel dogs when I was a kid, and uh, I um, then there. So I kind of got out of it a little bit there, like, you know, from probably the time when I got married fresh and stuff, you know, how it is. There was probably a time that I didn't hunt as much there for a little period of time. But then when I got to really wanting to get back in it on the squirrel and wanted a good squirrel dog, I was telling my grandpa back at that time, I said, I want to get, I want to get me a squirrel dog again, like we had when, when we was kids and always kept one. And he was the one, my grandpa Suttmiller, that told me, and, and he knew it from, he, he already knew this. He said, if you want to get you 
a really, really good squirrel dog, get you something with some bird dog in it. Because he said, I've I've hunted all kind of squirrel dogs, and I've had, you know, he had had all kind of good squirrel dogs, like a man will have, just a lot of mixed, just mixed cur-type dogs. It was just mixed-breed dogs. But he said, but if you get a squirrel dog that, a part bird dog, squirrel dog, that's the right kind, he said they, they'll spoil you because they just bring a lot to the table. And, and of course, at the time, I didn't really even know for sure what he was talking about because I was pretty young back then. But when I got to messing with some of them, I, uh, the part bird dogs I'm talking about, well, it didn't take me long to see what Grandpa was talking about. What bird dogs bring to the table, the part bird dog, one thing, they, they bring a tremendous wind and nose. they got the wind and ability. A lot of dogs can win, but I'm pretty much convinced that very few of them can win can win equal to a part bird dog. And it's just because that bird dog, uh, they was bred. I mean, you watch a bird dog flying across a field just wide open and fast and throw that head up and just nearly knew a flip, you know, to sit on a set, you know, to point a covey of birds. I mean, they just got to, and they do all that. They do it out of the air. And so they've really got a they've really got a tremendous nose. That's one thing. And then bird dogs, they got a lot of foot speed. Most bird dogs, unless you just get a dud, most of them's got a lot of hunt, a lot of a lot of go. And I tell people the number one ingredient that I look for in a hunting dog, and you cannot put it in them. They're, they're born with it. And I call it heart. You could call it hunt. I've heard you know desire. It really all means the same thing. But it's that dog. I tell people when you sit there and you're looking at a litter of puppies, I mean, there could be 10 puppies laying there. Well, it could be that not a puppy in that whole bunch has got that heart, really, when they you don't know it yet, but they, they may not be a one of them there that's got it. Or they could be several's got it, or there might be one that's got it, but you, you just really don't know till you get them up, you know, old enough to start hauling them and taking them. But it don't take long to find out because them that's got that, like I said, I call it heart. They they don't even know really what they're hunting when you first turn them loose, but they know they leave there like, you know, they're on a mission to find something. They don't even really know what they're looking for at this point, but it's just in them to, in them to hunt. And I tell people that's one thing that they're born with. You, you, could, you might fuss at a dog, give it a whipping, get mean with it, and make it get out of your sight, but you cannot – really make that dog hunt like what I'm talking about. That's either born in them and, you know, it's just something bred in them and they just turn out that way. But that's, and most bird dogs has got that. I mean, you, you'll find a dud in anything in a part bird dog as well, but most of the bird dogs ain't lacking on hunting. And uh, matter of fact, a lot of them's got too much for the average person. You know, they, a lot of guys has hunted with my dogs and they tell me, them dogs are yours. I mean, they take the fun out of it. They'll walk you, you know, they take you too far. They, you know, they go too too far to find a squirrel and they, you know, they don't, they're not for everybody. In other words, if you, I tell people, if you're the kind of fellow that'd rather talk about it really more than you really like to go and, you know, shoot a squirrel out or score on a squirrel or, or go see some results, they're, they're not for everybody. And they got some negatives too. Most most young part bird dogs is so wound up, it's just common that when they first start, it, it's it's not the least bit. As a matter of fact, most of them I'll say don't stay treed very long in the beginning. They just they're just too wound up to sit there very long in one place. But once 
once they realize you're coming to them and you start getting to them and rewarding them, whether you shoot game down or just pet them and praise them and give them a lot of attention, and most of them, they start figuring it out, and little by little, you know, they develop into into good stay-put tree dogs, but they, they, they're they just, you know, I've heard them called hot-footed, which is, I, that's somebody else come up with I that. Think that's, that's so that's Rod. It. Sounds like I something Rod, Rod would say. <laughs> I, th- I think... I think Rod was the first one I heard say that. That's but I right. Thought, well, that fits because they they are that way, and and I even tell people there's some negatives to them. Uh, I've kind of changed up a little. I love the bird dog crosses. I have actually, I still don't want more than a half hound maximum myself on a squirrel dog. I don't. I really don't like a dog that I don't like a squirrel dog to trail. And my, I'm talking about with his nose down and try to grub up or work a track. Uh, even these bird dogs, if they're working something that's ground scent, they still don't put their nose to the ground. They kind of, you've probably seen them, they got their head about half up and they float, I call it. They just kind of drift and float, and they can they can move a track so much faster than a dog with its head right down on the ground, you know, trying to smell. And, and I just, I personally, I like a winding type squirrel dog. I like a heads-up type. And, uh, and so for several years, I would have told you several years ago that I really didn't even like any any hound in my squirrel dogs, but with the competition like it is, and, and a lot of the people you're hunting against nowadays in the in the squirrel hunts, actually a lot of them has been competition coon hunters. It's kind of either switched over or they've at least included that and went both ways, kind of like me. But I've you know when you do put more hounds you do get a little more tree most of the time i mean you know more bark and you know staying in their tree in a little more hound style and they may not really have quite the eye which is i think is good for a competition squirrel dog you might would think well boy they need a good eye well my experience a dog it'll timber and watch the squirrels leave out and follows them that'll hurt you more times than it'll ever benefit you what i've seen and so, really, you're better off a dog that's just sitting there tree and right or wrong. I mean, even if the squirrel gets out on it, you're not going to take a minus whether you get, you know, if that dog is glued to that tree when you get there. And so, I've I've kind of changed a little. And, and my dogs today, some of them's got a little more bird, you know, um, excuse me, a little more hound than, than some of my dogs of old. But uh, but anyhow, I but I do love the bird dog crosses and it was my grandpa Suttmiller that told me years and years ago and then I knew several other men Chris that uh, was old guys that really knew squirrel dogs and it, it hunted with some outstanding ones through the years I'm talking about dating back like about the age of my grandpa some of these older gentlemen and they knew it too they said like one guy told me the best squirrel dog he was ever in the woods with it you know he never forgot her was a full blood pointer female that a man had and and then I, I've got a book from the 1960s that's called Gray and Fox Squirrels, and it's talking all about squirrels. It was written by some game biologist. I, I found the book on eBay one time and bought it, and it's a real interesting little book. But it talks about all the ways to hunt squirrels, like, you know, to steal hunt, just set out, you know, and, of course, kill them when they come in. And then it talked about hunting them with a dog. And actually, believe it or not, this book was – this book was dated back in the 60s, and a guy that was the author of the book said that he had hunted with several squirrel dogs, but the the dog that made an impression on him the most 
uh, from years before was a dog that obviously you could tell had a lot of bird dog in it. It showed it and, and operated. You could tell there was a lot of bird dog in it. But uh, when I first started going to competition hunts, and a lot of these dogs of mine, they weren't always white dogs. I would get colored dogs and white dogs out of the same litter. But I but I did a lot of times hunt. A lot of them had pink noses like the pointer, and they was different, you know. They, most people could tell right quick that there wasn't an OMCBA dog, and they sure wasn't a feist. And a lot of people would ask me, what what kind of dog are you hunting? And I would tell them a part bird dog, and, you know, they just found that so odd that I was at a squirrel hunt with a part bird dog. A lot of people said, a part bird dog for squirrel? And I said, yeah. And, but anyway, through the years, different people is – it's got to see it, and it's got more popular, and a lot of my friends tell me, you know, now, you know, you see a lot of dogs out there, you know, with bird dog in them, but for a lot of years, I was kind of on the real, you know, minority in, with the bird dog crosses. Man, I, I like mine. I, I ain't gonna lie to you. She's in heat, and she acted crazy the last couple of weeks before she was coming in. I could have killed her, but she, uh, I like it, and I got a young dog out of... <laughs> I got a young dog out of, uh, he's a puppy out of uh, Rods that he calls him uh, Cash and and a bird dog cross female that I'm, uh, man, this thing acts so good and he is smart. He don't use the bathroom, he uses the bathroom and, I mean, these things ain't eight week, eight months, I mean, shoot, I'm sorry, they ain't four months old and that sap sucker, he'll, he'll use the bathroom in one spot in that kennel, he don't mess it up or nothing, this thing's has got brains. Yeah, I... I, like I said, I'm a real fan of the bird dog crosses, and uh, I tell people you got to watch them in hot weather, hot, humid weather. They'll hurt yourself because you know they, they most of them won't quit. They, you know, the common little old dog starts getting a little bit hot. They'll go lay in a, you know, find some water and lay in it, or quit and come in to you or something. But I, I have actually sold a handful of these dogs that people's two or threes died i mean people let them have heat strokes and die in the woods i mean some good dogs it was real disappointing and disheartening but they didn't know how to hunt them they never had you know had a dog like that and they they just would go so hard and they get you know get too hot and hurt yourself and then i've had them i've seen them have heat strokes and live but it ruined them they never was right you know uh Joey posted out, we mentioned him earlier, and we talked about this podcast that he was, you know, I I watched his, or listened to his podcast, rather, uh, with you, and I really enjoyed that, but, you know, Joey told about some of his good dogs, and of course, he's really owned some outstanding That credit dog? Yeah, he mentioned, you know, credit, which came from me, and I owned his daddy, I owned his grandpa, and I owned all I stole that, that dog that I was just telling, that little puppy I was telling you about. When I did the interview with Joey, I, he called, he remembered, you know, I asked him about the dog's name and he said it was credit. I was like, yep, I just named that puppy. And he, I don't know if he goes back to him, but I thought that was a, a, you know, his daddy's cash. So I just was, I just like, well, shoot, I'll just name him credit. But anyway, that's off subject. But anyway. Well, it's a good name. And I actually named credit myself. That, that name, my old dog, it's my favorite dog of all time was this dog called Payday. Lord, I'd love to have him today. I mean, he was a, he was a once in a lifetime dominant dog. And, and back in them days, you know, I, I won the world squirrel hunt with him five times, elimination world squirrel hunt. And, and like I say, they was really just as good a dogs back then, but there just wasn't as many of them as there was, you know, today, like we talked about. But what year was that? Payday, that you, what years was that you won? 
Oh. Well, that dog had a real long longevity. The first year he ever won it was in 1990. Yeah. But then he turned around and won it again in 91, and I think he won it in 94 and won it in 96. Believe it or not, I'm going to tell you something that's going to be hard for you to believe, but this is a bird dog for you. The last time that that dog won the world hunt, I took him, and he was 12-year-old. The dog had turned 12 the month before. And this is going to be hard for some people to believe, but I promise you, some people listen to this, or they know because they hunted with him, and, and they know. But that dog, at 12-year-old, you couldn't hardly hunt that dog down if you hunted him off of a horse from, I mean, you could, I, I used to try to hunt him hard, like a day or two in a row hard, before I would take him off to a hunt, try, trying to just sort of get the edge off of him a little bit, so maybe he wouldn't get out of pocket or or get and, and believe me, believe it or not, that dog still hunted like that as a twelve year old dog. And the following year he was still that strong and, and really probably could have won it. I mean would have been a contender, but I wanted to be able to say I won it the last year I put him in it and I didn't take him, but the dog lived to be fifteen. He's he's buried out here in my yard. But but that dog was such an athlete that even at twelve year old I mean, that dog, hardly nothing could stay beside him or hunt with him at 12. I mean, that's just, that dog was just a machine. And I mean, he really was the fastest dog I've ever seen, not just because I owned him, but he was the fastest dog I've ever seen go, you know, go through the timber or go down a road or anything. He was just tremendous speed. But that's why when, when Joey was talking about credit and, and he even kind of, I think, might have referred to him as kind of a freak. I mean, just things that he did. I mean, and, and Credit was a special, special dog, but the thing about it, Credit was just kind of a chip off the old block from his daddy's was a dog named Money that was out of payday. And uh, really, them traits that Credit had, I mean, from getting to point A to point B, and when he barked one time, you could dream, and all that was the same thing that his grandpa and his dad and a lot of his half-brothers and sisters. And, I mean, that whole family of dogs operated like, I mean, I say, Every single pup I ever had wasn't that caliber. I mean, I'm not saying that, but you understand. I'm just saying he comes from a family of dogs. They all operated. The good ones all turned out like that. And so he was, uh, he was just, uh, he was just kind of, you know, he was bred to do what he did, and he hunted and and fast. And uh, I've had so much fun people watching them dogs. When Joey was talking about in that podcast about when he turned credit loose and. I mean, like in, I mean, just like in maybe a minute, you know, you hear him treat in there three or 400 yards and people would say, you know, you're telling me that's him right through there already treed right there. That's that dog. And Joey would say, yeah, that's that. Well, I mean, that brought back a lot of memories because I used to do that with that old dog of mine, old payday. And then I had a, I had a son out of him called Jackpot that was just almost looked like, he, you know, just operated just like him. He won the PKC world two years in a row back when they had it and, and I had a female I won the world with twice named Goldmine off of Payday. Payday was actually quite a good reproducer. In his whole life, he was only bred to probably around 15 females. And I think he sired seven world champions, and they all had different mamas. You know, he was he was really a – he turned out to be a good reproducer as well. Did you breed him – here's a couple questions. Did you breed him to just your females, or did you have people, you know, outside females coming? He was mostly bred to my own females. There was, there was, I mean, like a handful. When I say a handful, I seem like I can think of three or four, maybe maybe five at the most that people brought females to him. 
But, you know, he was overlooked, Kylie, because he was a tree and cur, and he was a part bird dog, and I even had people way back then told me, said, you ought to, you ought to put some cur papers. They was talking mountain cur, really, you know, but they said, you ought to find a, before people knows about much about him, and, and you show him around out, you ought to, you ought to get some cur papers, and, you know, and, but I wasn't going to do nothing like that. I always what? told people what he really was, and I wasn't about to do that, but, uh, but it, it caused him to be probably kind of overlooked by some of these dog people. Uh, they kind of, you know, they just, they viewed him like, I, I want to breed to a purebred dog. I don't want to breed to just a mixed curd. I, I always tell them, look up the word cur in the Webster Dictionary. It says a dog a mixed breed, and that's what a cur is. And, of course, nowadays, tree and curs and hound crosses and even full-blood hounds. I mean, it don't matter if they can win, they get the recognition, and, and there's, you know, even a market and everything else where back then it's almost like if it wasn't a cur or feist seemed like it, when it come to like breeding and standing them at stud and even selling puppies they they didn't consider them that much didn't seem like it was he a, a open spotted dog kind of like the 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 i guess like my bird dog influenced dog is is open spotted now this puppy i got out of rod stuff is solid black and he is a pretty joker but Anyway, I was just wondering, was Payday, was he, you know, open-spotted? No, actually, he was, I called it chocolate, or you might call it liver, about the same color, chocolate or liver, and actually had four white feet and a white chest. What Payday was, he was a um, he was a half-pointer and half-Stevens cur. And when you would breed him through the years to something, I would always get, uh, there'd always be some white puppies in every litter. A lot of them almost solid, you know, a lot of white. I mean, almost solid white, maybe with one spot on them or something like that. Uh, a lot of white. But in the same litter, every now and then he'd throw one his color. And then, and then actually he throwed quite a few that was black, I guess, going back to the Stevens. And so, you know, you'd have a litter of puppies and say eight puppies, you might have five white ones and two black ones and a chalk, you know, and, and I didn't always get them his color. I've actually got a couple of young dogs now that's grandsons of his that's that same color as him. But, uh, but no, he was a, he was a chocolate liver colored dog. He had a pink nose, you know, like I said, the pointers kind of showing out in him. And you could really, if you know, if you kind of know what a pointer looks like their head and, and all that, I mean, you could definitely see the bird dog in him just in his, even in his, the way he was built in his head and everything. He, he showed the pointer bird dog and, uh, Right. Um. Yeah. I. I just was wondering. I. I haven't seen any pictures of him or anything. So how many? Uh. So you sparked my interest. How many world world hunts have you won? And in what registry was y'all hunting back then? I think. Uh. I think myself personally that I. I think I've won like a world squirrel hunt nine times. Uh. Back then it was mostly USDR. I will tell you, too, I went to my first squirrel hunt. I want to say I believe it was in 1986, and uh, that was my first squirrel hunt. And it was USDR back then, and uh, it was and uh, it was NKC, and then later on PKC, you know, formed. Uh, I was actually a part of that. I mean, went to a meeting where they had to try to see if there was enough interest to you know for pkc to get involved in squirrel hunts and of course they they did have them there for i don't know they had maybe four four to five years there but um uh, but anyway uh 
but that that's that was the registries back then. It was mostly USDR United School Dog Registry, and then it was NKC, and uh, UKC did also start having some. And WTDA World Tree Dog Association, I went to some of theirs, and I was trying to think of maybe something. I know that's them I just mentioned, but one thing I did like about the USDR. To me, the only way you'd have a true world hunt or a true any kind of major big hunt to really determine the, the winner is an elimination format. Just, you know, all you can do is try to beat the dogs that you're hunting against and advance to the next round and then, of course, you know, win. And score don't necessarily mean anything as long as you come out on top and that cast, and that brings you to the next, you know, the next level, I mean, the next uh, round. And... That way, it takes a lot of the luck because you could have an outstanding dog, and, and some people don't really even understand how competition hunts work, but, uh, I mean, you could have the best dog there, and if you went to a place with hardly no game, and, I mean, that dog maybe hunted its heart out and treed two squirrels, and, I mean, was doing good to do that, and somebody else had a really good spot, you know, kind of a just a hot spot, or we call it a honey hole, or whatever you want to, you know, loaded with squirrels, and man, they go in there and rack up a good score. And, and if you was in some of the hunts, you know, if you was just going by score only to advance, like they'd bring back the top so many scored dogs, well, it, there was a lot of luck involved. But in the each one of them hunts that I won was elimination format. And like I said, I always thought that was the fairest way to hold a big hunt is just to, just to try to get past the dogs you was in the cast with this time and advance to the next round. I've always said, you know, that's been my style of hunting the full elimination, you know, because again, like you said, you know, a dog, I've won hunts that are, you know, one round big scores, you know, and I'm not trying to throw shade at them, but in my opinion, I was in a good spot that day. Uh, I treed more squirrels and, and had more, you know, trees than the other dogs, you know, I just got lucky and went to a good spot with that being said. You're exactly right. You beat the dog, you know, the, the other two dogs. That's all you got to do is beat the other two dogs in your cast, go on to the next round and do it again. And then, you know. Yeah, and, and I'll say something here, too, about my competition hunting and just what I like in a dog. I've always been on, whether I entered a squirrel hunt or a coon hunt, I never really liked a dog that packed. I wanted a dog that, I wanted them to be by themselves. Really, I don't like a dog to cover uh, I've always hunted independent dogs, and I'll say too, not not man-made independent. You can you can work on a dog with a shock collar or get on them, get rough and all that, and you can try to make them independent. And I always tell people, I call it a man-made independent dog. They'll kind of come unraveled on you, and they'll under they'll figure out pretty quick that in them hunts you can't do anything, and they'll they'll test you and try some things because they realize you know they realize they don't have a shock collar on they realize you can't get a hold of them and i call it have a prayer meeting with them you can't get their attention out there in that situation and but i like a i like a a naturally independent dog that just want to go and do their own thing and they and i always hunted them kind like i said in a squirrel hunt or a coon hunt and and believe it or not I can't think of one single time in them nine world squirrel hunts that I won or in any other squirrel hunts that I've ever been in. I really cannot think of a single time that, that one of my dogs ever covered a dog in any of them squirrel hunts. I'm talking about any of them dogs I hunted. I can't 
if if they ever really even covered them one time, it, it's slipping my memory at this time because they was they was just that way. And of course, I hunt I hunt mostly by myself. Always have. It's not that I don't like people and enjoy hunting with people and all that. I'm a pretty serious hunter, and it seems like I've always found that you can actually have some of your best hunting just you and that dog. You can concentrate and pay attention to what it's doing. You can. I really try to. When I'm working a dog and trying to do something, I, boy, I hate to end on a bad note, especially if I'm working a young dog. I'll pretty much stay out all day or all night to try to try my best to end on what I call a positive note with that dog. And of course, that sometimes can be hard to do if you got somebody riding with you. You're in the same, or you're riding with them. But if you're out there by yourself and you're willing to stay with it, you can you can kind of just make it happen like you want it to or try to you can just stay with it till you finally get the results you're looking for and and you can try to end your hunt on that you know, on that note and uh but i just uh i tell people a lot of people says if i had a better hunting buddy or if i had a hunting partner could find somebody that wanted to hunt i would hunt more and i've told people i said my hunting partner's my hunting dog i mean it's like we're a team out there and i really only only really true dog people would understand this, but I really gotta enjoy that dog's company if it's a good dog. If it's a dog that really is doing what I like a dog to do, there again, whether it's a day dog or a night dog, if they're doing what I like one to do, I, I really enjoy the time I spend with that dog and so that I, I just that's how I kinda told people my hunting partner is my hunting dog, but but you know, a lot of people think on that independence, Chris, that I've heard people say, yeah, but I want my dog to be independent. But if it ain't doing nothing and yours trees a squirrel over there or yours trees a coon over there, I want mine to get a piece of yours. But really, my, I've always told people, why in the world would I want a piece of yours when, while, while we're walking over to score yours? If I'm hunting the right kind of a dog, my dog ought to be sitting in their tree again under another squirrel by the time we probably score your tree. and uh, or, or if it's on coon hunt. My dog ought to either be treated or at least on a coon of its own while we're scoring. And so I tell people, if you're short on dog power, yeah, you need a little bit of everything you can get. But I tell them, if you got the right dog, believe me, you don't need no second trees or you don't need a piece of other stuff. Just all that dog needs is what it can do and get on its own. And I really believe that. And I believe I've proved it and I've seen it proved by other people and the dogs they hunted as well. That's right. I'm I'm 100% with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like an independent dog. I want one doing its own thing. That way, you, you know, one, you don't have to worry about any kind of trouble. Uh, they're going to do what they're supposed to do. Two, you know, like you said, you you know, he better be getting under a squirrel himself or, you know. Uh, but that goes back to the whole, you know, yours are born pretty much natural, natural, uh, independent, you know. Mine... And my old dog, he'll get lazy if I don't hunt him like I did. You know, he'll get lazy and he'll want to try to come by there. And then I'll have to, he'll see me and he's like, oh my goodness, I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm out of here. So, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, um, I enjoy the, I enjoy the independence also, especially when I'm competition hunting. So I wanted to ask you though, do you shoot it like when you're hunting by yourself, do you shoot a lot of squirrels to your dogs? When it, when it comes to squirrels, I actually like to eat squirrels. I mean, I'll. I don't guess I want to eat them every single night for supper, but I I, I love to eat gray squirrels. Taste better than fox squirrels, really, out here. I mean, like you you go kill a mess of young gray squirrels, and especially if you can get maybe a plate of gravy and biscuits or some fried potatoes or something. 
I tell people, I mean, the president don't need any better than that, as far as I'm concerned. But I, so I do, I kill squirrels. Uh, but I tell you what, I don't do. I'm real particular. I, I don't. I'm not bad to shoot squirrels. I mean, shoot nests like in a radius around that tree. I don't. I try to be real careful not to pull that dog's uh, focus away from that tree. Some people don't think a thing about like yanking every vine in the, you know, in a 50-yard radius and shooting every nest and all that. And really, there's some dogs you could probably do that, and it would probably would not even affect them. They're just they just kind of that kind of a tree dog in the way they tree and. They're just, you know, especially some of them that's got maybe, like we talked about, maybe more hound or at least, you know, trees more hound style right on the tree with both feet and all that. But but I'm, so I guess what I'm trying to say, if I walk in there and a squirrel's right above that dog and all that, I'm probably going to shoot him out and put him in the bag. But I, uh, and I'll bring him home and clean him and eat him. But if, uh, but if I go in there and that dog's treed and I look over two trees, and there's a good looking nest, and I look over this other way, and there's another good looking nest, and there's vines, and I think, you know what, if I'd get to rattling all this, I'd probably get a squirrel, and if I shoot some of these nests and everything, I'd probably come out of here with a squirrel. I'm not so concerned about numbers and how many squirrels. I tell people I'd rather go out and have a good hunt and feel good about the way my dog did and, and kill three squirrels as I would kill 12 or 15, but feel like the dog did things kind of sloppy. So it's more it's more about the quality of dog work as, as it is about numbers. So, I mean, I will shoot them out if they're, if they're right above the dog and all that. And some of these things I had to learn the hard way. I, uh, I had a dog one time that was so fast. It was a bird, half bird dog. I found it out by accident. That dog, when squirrels would jump out, they was real wild one year, and they got to bellowing out. I mean, just and that dog would catch. I mean, it's almost like he didn't hardly miss any of them. He was so fast. He'd catch about every squirrel that hit the ground. Well, I got to thinking that was pretty neat. Now, we're talking <laughs> this little story. It's probably 25 or 30 years ago. It's been a long, long time. But that dog... It was fun to watch him catch him squirrels, and the way it first happened, I wasn't I wasn't jumping them out. They was just jumping out. But once I realized how fast he was and how he almost hardly ever let a squirrel get away, he almost caught every one of them. I did go to going in there. I thought you don't even have to shoot a bullet to get a squirrel. This dog get it on the ground, he'll catch it, and then, and he really would. But you know what happened? That that jacked that dog's mind up. Them squirrels bailing out. He got where when I would start walking in there. If I stepped on a twig out there, you know, 30 or 40 yards away while I was coming into him, he done, boy, he got so, it, it rattled his brain so bad that he got to thinking that squirrel had done bailed out. And it, it really, I really, honestly, looking back, I about ripped that dog and didn't even, wasn't smart enough. By the time I realized what I was doing and what I had done, the damage had already been done, and I really couldn't hardly, I never did really get that fully reversed. I mean, so I learned. I don't, I don't, especially on a competition type dog, I don't really pull a whole lot of vines. I don't try to timber many squirrels. Like I said, I found out pretty early on that really, you know, you'll very seldom ever take a minus in a squirrel hunt the way the, the rules read that that squirrel could have timbered or got out. And I think in all my years, I've seen one dog take a minus in a squirrel hunt, and it's because it was treed like on a single apple tree out in the field all by itself, about a 20 foot tall tree. And probably had been a squirrel out there at one point but it wasn't there and we could all tell it wasn't and and that dog got minus but that may be the only time i ever seen a dog i'm talking about this stayed treed and 
you know, and actually was showing tree when we got there and all that because most of the time, you know, they could have timbered and got away and so we could have went anywhere. So I, I, but I have tucked minus some dogs like if a squirrel bailed out on them and they run it and, you know, and then didn't bark again until they handed up a tree 60, 70 yards away and, you know, but you could tell that they moved and, but really you knew exactly what happened, but you wasn't there to see it, you know, just bad breaks like that. But, uh, yeah, when it comes to squirrel, though, I actually do kill the squirrels there again. If, you know, if it's above the dog and they did it right and, and all that, I, I'm, I'll shoot them out and put them in the bag, but it's, but that's not my main, that just kind of goes with it, but that's not uh, really my main concern. So I noticed you said that, you know, when you're tuning on your dogs and, and, you know, you cutting them and getting them ready for the, uh, for the competition, you said you, you know, you may shoot the one that's in the tree above. You don't shake a lot of nest and stuff. So what about in the, in the, in, you know, when you're in a cast and you have that five minute search time, are you, you know, you got your dog tied and, you know, are you shaking around on, on neighboring trees then, or, you know, does, you know, you just kind of give them that, I guess the Saturday of the hunt, that's kind of a grace period you can do that with. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious as to, do, do you see any effect on, on, on doing it on Saturdays versus the, you know, during the week tuning on your dogs? Well, well, Chris, I think that's a good question. And, and you know, well, you're out there, especially with the kind of prize money. I mean, you may be hunting for a truck or no telling what. And I mean, of course, you need to score this squirrel if at all possible. You're trying to you're trying to win. So yeah, I mean, in them competition hunts, I will rattle some vines. But it seemed like that actually, if you just do it in competition only, but you don't make a bad habit out of doing it, like you say, through the week when you're just out there hunting for fun, it seemed like that you know it don't get to be quite as bad. And also. There's something about the shooting, too. Like, you know, if you run over here and shoot, I mean, a dog figures out a gun pretty fast, a hunting dog does. And if you're two or three trees over and shooting a nest and, you know, and that dog hears that gun go off and it looks that way and all that, you even kind of, how would you put it, you even kind of magnify the, you know, the the op, the possibility, I guess, where you kind of magnify the possibility of creating a problem even the shooting with the gun and all that. But, no, I do now in a competition hunt because, you know, you know you got to pretty much. I'm going right. to rattle them vines, you know, because I'm out there trying to, trying to you know, give my dog all the credit and everything. But I just don't do much of that just out there hunting for fun. I just don't do. And, you know, back to that independence dog right quick on that, you know, most people – I know a lot of people, and, and I'm not saying anything about how they do, but they, they're they liable to take a little old puppy with an old dog. That's how a lot of people still do it, and they want that old dog to kind of teach that puppy or that young dog. You know, they figure that's one of the best ways to train that young dog, just put it with a good old dog and let it let it see what's going on. And, and I know where they're coming from, but myself personally, I say that you're from the very beginning you're teaching like a puppy – that if it if it trees with an old dog, it gets rewarded for being there. If you shoot a squirrel out or shoot a coon out or whatever, so I really hunt my pups all by themselves, a hundred percent. Very seldom ever take them with another dog. And um, I, I I tell people you can't make them independent, not like I like them to be. But but one thing you can do, you can mishandle them and and hunt them with buddy hunt them with a lot of dogs shoot a squirrel or a coon out on two dogs treed together. You can do a lot of things that'll actually 
it could take that independence away from a dog. I mean, it, even if they're naturally independent, if the wrong people, you know, they handle them and they're just more of a pleasure hunter and always hunting with other people with more, you know, with more dogs in the woods at one time, whether it's just two or several, uh, and they're shooting game out on, you know, multiple dogs trade together. I tell them only one dog got there first. You can, you can, you know that. I mean, even if it wasn't, but just by just a few seconds, some, some dog treat that coon or some dog treat that squirrel. And the other, you know, the other one or could be two or three others or one other, they, you know, if they're there, they got their second or third or whatever, you know, they one dog located it and come up with it. And so that's just, that's just me. And some people I think would probably, you know, think that seems a little ridiculous that you would, but I just, I just do believe that, that you, uh, you can start from an early age, just almost like your shell, letting that pup know, or almost sending a signal to that young dog that, you know, I want you to be with them dogs. And some people do that to start them, and then they say, well, I'll break them, I'll break them from covering after I get them going. Well, I, I don't know. It's like you're teaching them one thing, then you try to switch them over and teach them something else at a later time. And so anyway, that's just that's my take on that. I just thought I would mention that. Does your dogs usually, do they start fairly early or when do you start, when do you know it's time to go to the big woods and stuff like that? How do you determine all that? Well, I will say that I a lot of times don't start my pups quite as early as some people. I mean, I some people get pups off of me and, I mean, my goodness, time they're three months old, they're sending me videos of them treeing and stuff. That happens all the time. But them guys, they they start messing with them really, really early and young. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I I normally wait till mine gets up. I don't really just have like a certain set in stone age. But most of the time, I let mine get more up, seven, eight, nine months old. You know, get a little size on them where they. Uh, and stuff, and then I just start taking them, and sometimes I'm liable to haul two or three, but I always just hunt them one at a time. I just rotate them and hunt them, get them out one at a time, but I just start letting them kind of show me when they're really ready to start learning some things, and and I know a lot of times, like I said, some of the litter mates I've sold to people, they've already got theirs treeing and have had them treeing for sometimes two and three months before I really start, really start mine, but uh, it's just kind of I wished I lived in a place more on a squirrel dog. If a man lives where they can run loose, and but I don't. I live too close to a main highway, and they wouldn't last long here. But if a man lived out where they could run loose, and then I, I got a friend or two that's got like several acres fenced off, and they let pups run loose in there. And of course, they got feeders and stuff, and squirrels and coons come in there. And most of them kind of pups, if they got it in them, they kind of start theirself. You know, if, if they're in the opportunity and they're exposed to the game and, and can do it, most of them will, will just start treeing on their own at a pretty early age. But uh, Do you, so do you, like, I guess, that that is handy, because I do, I have a, like a two-acre pen behind my house that's uh, in the woods that I call it a starting pen, but, I, I you know, I, I feed corn and I put, like you said, the six and eight-month-old puppies, you know, in there and let them, I just let them live and, and uh you know i feed them in there and you know usually they will you know they'll start treeing on the squirrels that come into that pen and you know then that's when i take them out and i'll kennel them and i'll start hauling them to the woods and you know maybe go to you know showing them some squirrels or or, or something but um 
you know, right now I got, <laughs> I got a puppy that's, you know, six months old. Then I got one that's four months old. Then I got one that's two months old. So I don't want to stick all three right. of them in the same pen. You know what I mean? They'll bully up on one on the small one. And I don't know. I just feel like that may cause, you know, if they're eating or something and then they jump on one, it may make that other one mean. I just don't want to do that. You know? Well, I agree with you. I don't, even if I, I wished I had a setup like that. And really I've got some acreage, and I, I should have years ago built one, and I guess I still could. Now I've waited till materials has got so high, it cost a lot more to you know to put one together today. But but even if I had one, I wouldn't leave but one pup in there at a time, probably, or, or not over two. And I'd be careful, like you, I think you're thinking right, not to put a little puppy in there and and then you know un, unsupervised, and then maybe one of the bigger ones get to bullying on it a little or something and cause a problem. But it, it is a good. I mean, some of the best squirrel dogs I ever knew of, even my old payday dog, he was in the country when I come across him and heard about him. He was out at a place and was kind of self taught. He just would. He just loved to hunt so much. He just would go tree a squirrel. And, and really, in the beginning, when I first come across him, he was a little over a year old, probably just sort of. From what they told me, I think he would have been around 13 or 14 months old when I got him. And he, he was just out in the country, and that dog, nobody really even hunted that dog, but he would just go from the house, and he would go back in there, and he'd go tree a squirrel. Then he would uh, he'd stay probably two or three minutes because nobody went to him. Then he just would drop that, he'd go tree another one. And he would literally do that for <laughs> hours, you know, and he just loved to hunt, and nobody was even in but when I first got my hands on him, it was a pretty good challenge because he had gotten a habit of treeing and leaving, treeing and leaving, nobody going to him. And even some of my friends and my own brother and different ones, when they first hunted with him, they didn't think I could ever do anything with him. He was so he was so hard going, and then I mean, he'd fly in there so quick and get treed in there. I mean, he might be five or six hundred yards and nothing, you know, just I mean, just almost right now and he'd be treed and you start to him, get about halfway to him and he would shut up you'd hear him treat somewhere else and but anyway it, it was a y'all pretty didn't, good challenge y'all didn't have garmin so you didn't really know exactly how far he was did you no and actually in the very beginning i don't i didn't even have a tracking collar of any kind and and really and he wasn't really a straight line dog i mean he liable to leave out going straight north just hard as he could go and literally in two or three minutes, hear him treat uh, straight south. You know, he might leave going north, and in two or three minutes, be treated straight south for 400. You know, that dog is just, you know, like I said, you don't have to kind of watch him, and but he covered ground in such a hurry. But I've, I've thought so many times now, I even tell my wife and other friends of mine, I said, man, if I had him all over again today with a Garmin, it would make it easier to hunt him, you know. I did later on get what we refer to now as one of the old beep beep tracking collars, and of course they was better than nothing. But you know, a lot of times they would give you a bounce signal. You know, they would show you one way, and sometimes the dog was absolutely the opposite. And and then it was a it was a guessing game really to try to determine how far they was. You know, sometimes you'd hear a weak sounding signal and you'd think, well, I believe he's in a pretty good ways just because of the signal. And, and then other times it was just, well, when the Garmin come, it really was a game changer, you know, for anybody with dogs and hunting. And I've, I've owned other dogs even besides payday that I wished I, I had, you know, today with the Garmin, but he's, he's one in particular that, 
I think he'd be a lot funner to even hunt today where I could watch him, watch where he's going, you know, watch if he's starting to make a big circle or or if he did really get in there pretty good ways on a bad day. I could see where I could get in, you know, if I needed to drive on him or how to get to him. And, it, it you know, I wish, I wish I had him today with the Garmin. I really do. That's right. Well, let's uh let's let's move toward like your other dogs. We've been at it in an hour and ten minutes, and let's uh let's 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 get on to some of these uh you know let, let's let's talk about the dogs that you've you know done your your you know not say your latest winning, but you know after payday and and uh, what'd you call the next one? What was payday's son's name? That credit was out of uh, well, Jack. Jackpot. Well, Jackpot. Well, that was actually a dog called Money. Money was younger than Jackpot, but I had them. We got to use them names. I started to say that's where like credit and gold mine and Jackpot. There was one named Cash. Uh, trying to think of something. Anyway, a lot of them names got used. You know, that's kind of after payday. Uh, but no, I had different. Uh, of course, Payday, I kind of touched on it. He was a great reproducer and sired some really nice dogs that I really, really liked. And they was a lot like him. They all operated kind of what I call one-bark tree dogs. I mean, they pretty much, when you heard them bark one time, they was treed. And they was, you know, good stay put focused, real focused tree dogs and all that. Well, then later on, uh, Joy and Gunsmoke, they was litter mates. And I owned their parents, Bud. Uh, and then they had a female named Katie that was the mama that I ended up on, and I didn't own her initially, but I ended up buying her later, and we kept her till she died too. And uh, but they was actually a different line of dogs, but they still was the half pointer bird dog, except for the only difference, you know, Payday, like I told you, was half pointer and half Stevens. Now I did have a female back in that in 1989. I won the world hunt with a half pointer and a half walk named Speck. And she was nearly a solid white dog. As a matter of fact, her and Joy, if you see pictures of them, they, you have to really look close. I mean, they look almost identical. Of course, they was all primarily white with a little bit of black on their ears. And they, they really look, uh, neither one of them had a body spot. The, the speck dog had a little black, I mean, very little, right at the base of her tail. And then the rest of her whole body was white. And she had a black, kind of black, wide blaze face with black ears where joy she's solid white with you know black on one ear and kind of a little bit of a calico ear we call it on the other side but but anyhow but joy and gun smoke in that line they was really unrelated to payday but they still was half bird dogs and they operated a whole lot like the like the i call it the payday line they really had the hunt and they pretty much one bark tree dogs and they they was also real independent, like them other dogs. Never backed a dog, never covered. And uh, but that was in the squirrel dogs through the years. All my good squirrel dogs that I've kept and hunted and showed up at the hunts with. Really, after payday, all of them was dogs that I'd raised from puppies, and it was a lot of them either born here or or well, they primarily mostly was. I did get a good good pup or two off of people you mentioned. There was a guy one time bred a really good female to payday, and and actually she had a litter of puppies, and and then puppies something happened. They come up missing. He lived out in the country, and he got a hold of me and said, "Boy, I feel terrible." Then that litter of puppies, I don't know what they followed her off or something, and they've been gone now for a few days. I don't think I'm gonna find any of them. And I said, "Well, that's just one of them things. I hate it for you." And I was gonna get a pup kind of for a stud fee. Well, anyway, he. Uh, this man called me a few days like after them pups had been gone about a week. 
And they were just little weaning age pups, too. He called me one day, and he said, believe it or not, one of them pups is some way or another survived and ended up at my neighbor about a half a mile from here. Because he went around to all of his neighbors and said, if anybody, you know, I'm missing a litter of little small puppies. If y'all was to see any of them, or please call me. Well, this guy called, and, and one of them puppies made it some way out there for like nine days in the wild out there. A little pup out out kept from starving to death. But anyway, believe it, that guy brought me that pup. He wanted me to, I, I said, I don't want that pup. You keep it because you didn't even get it. He said, no, that wasn't our deal. I told you if, you know, she had puppies that you'd get you'd get a choice puppy. He said, Of course I ain't got but one, so you'll just have to take this one. But you know, he brought me one and, and boy, she made a real dog. And I bet uh, she, she did. She was tough. Yeah. She she ain't have no she choice but to be tough. <laughs> yeah. And she was talking about color. She showed the Stevens. Her name was Scarlet. And actually she was Goldmine's mama. A time or two I bred I bred, I just tried it, and it really did work, and I never got no crazy pups. I actually bred Payday back to his own daughter a couple times with some great results, but I bred him to a granddaughter, and then I I did a lot of half-brother, half-sister. I mean, I kind of would line breed on that dogs, and really, it, it, it worked well. I never did get no dogs with any kind of defects. I never got nothing that was crazy. I never got anything that... You know, I was never really disappointed. I just, I had people encourage me to try that with him, and I really didn't want to try it. I mean, the daughter deal at first, but finally I thought, well, I had a good daughter that I really liked out of him and really didn't have anything else at the time that I really wanted to breed to. And so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll try it. Well, I, I did it. And man, I, I tell you, them pups was naturals. Them puppies started treeing real early, and they were smart. They wasn't none of them shy, or I mean, nothing about them was you know crazy acting. They just was good in the pen. They was real outgoing. They had the hunt. They had the tree, and I, so I thought, boy, that that sure worked that time. Well, think all together, I did it on two, maybe three daughters. I know I did two, maybe three, but anyway, but I had good luck with that. But but anyway, you was asking me, but then, then the last few years, now I have continued all through these years. I had stored semen on payday. I had stored semen on jackpot. I had stored semen on a dog called show off, which was out of payday. And uh, so through the years, I've kind of kept uh, I kept some of that alive just because of the having the semen, and even after they was dead and gone, I was able to raise some puppies and uh, and keep that keep that bloodline kind of alive. But uh, and then, of course, Joy and uh, she's been a real pleasure to own. And then Gunsmoke, he really should have been campaigned and hunted. He was a dog that could have really made a name for himself. Was he never the Gunsmoke dog? Someone told me. Was he super duper loud? Like you could hear him forever. He had a real mouth on him. He had a real good. I mean, uh, he's one of the best tree dogs you'd ever hear. He I, just, I, I think Rod or somebody was telling me that that he had yeah. a mouth that you could. I mean, the loudest dog that he's ever heard, like far away, you know, distance wise by the Garmin was. Somebody was telling me it may not have been Rod, but they said that Gunsmoke was for real. Well, he was a, he was a special dog. He's still alive, but he's getting some age. And we got some semen in the tank out here on him as well. And I've got some semen on his dad, a dog called. Do you Doug. own him? Do you still well, have him? Chris Gilmer and me does. And of course, here in a minute, right, I want right. to mention Chris. Uh, Chris is a you know we partnered on dogs, and of course he's been a blessing. And I want 
I'm going to keep talking about the dogs, but I want to talk say a little bit about Chris here in a minute. But uh, but anyway, yeah, he stays over at Chris's house, and uh, but Gunsmoke, he did. He had one of them carrying loud mouths. I mean, you could hear that dog. I mean, almost any time, anywhere, you'd hear that dog treat over a mile easy just because he had that kind of a ring. I mean, it's a high-pitched carrying mouth, clear and loud, and, and I tell you, he sounds... I mean, he just sitting in there, y'all, y'all, y'all. You know, he, he's something to listen to, and and a real tree dog, and, and really in a lot of ways, it's a shame that dog wasn't campaigned and promoted. I'm talking about in hunts because he was that kind of a dog that you know really could have been a force to reckon with. And Chris kept him over, and he don't competition hunt as much as I do, and I had Joy here, and. So I would haul her and take her, and but really they both needed to be there. You know, really they both needed to be there. And it's kind of like I said, it's a shame in a way that he didn't get probably the recognition he deserved because he was a he was a quality dog, no doubt. Did and, he get uh, it? Did was he? Did y'all put him in in any hunts? Was he ever put in? Because he's a him, Joy, and my dogs, Mama Penny, are all litter mates, I think, or maybe full sister and brother or something. Full brother, yeah. You're you're right. Penny's Penny's the same cross. That that cross was actually made a total of four times altogether, with Joy and Gunsmoke being the very first time it was made. That, but I own several litter mates uh, besides Joy and Gunsmoke on that litter, and, and almost every pup in that litter was quality dogs. And uh, but Gunsmoke was only maybe put in. Oh my goodness! I mean, the dog maybe put in two or three squirrel hunts in his whole life. He just wasn't. Uh, it's really never was really given the opportunity, and like I said, he should have been. And uh, but he he just never was never was really called and put in them. And uh, seemed like a lot of times he's going to and meant to, and just never did really get it done. And of course, like I said, I had joy here and always kept her through all that. And and of course, was kind of partial to her just because she stayed here and I hunted her all the time. But. The gun smoke was well deserving. I mean, he, he should have been there, really. You know, he should have been. But uh, but them dogs, that's a good family of dogs. And then I got to kind of crossing them some with the payday line that some of the ancestors and stuff that I got out of payday. And so they they kind of complemented one another, actually. And uh, so anyhow, it. Uh, but in the squirrel dogs, uh, I mean, I got a female that's an own daughter of payday out here called Spirit, and she's she's really a quality dog, and and I did put her in a few squirrel hunts and won some with her, and and really she could have, I mean, she was capable of holding her own and competing at you know at, at a high level. She was, I kind of give the nod that little old Joy. She's a small female, you know, quite a, now Gunsmoke. They're litter mates, but you know he's probably a fifty pound dog. Joy weighs like about 32 or 33 pounds. You know, she's pretty small, and uh, he'll weigh 50, maybe even closer to 55, and her, and her brother's little mates. But, you know, she's even had a lot of people would comment on her mouth. I mean, she's not as loud, actually, as gun smoke. But, boy, she had a shrill high pitch, and I've had a lot of people, you know, talk about how I've freed her in them huts like at 900 yards or I've treated her even at seven or eight. You know, I mean, because she'll go. I mean, she's going to find a squirrel somewhere just about. And uh, I've had her really treat deep on bad days and get way off in there somewhere. And, you know, I've told people how far she'd be. And they'd say, she's that far right now? I'd say, yeah, you know, she's she's whatever. You know, I couldn't hardly believe it, you know. But she even had a good carrying mouth herself, too. What uh, What are you hauling now, like? 
what do you got tuned well, up, ready to go? <laughs> well, I've got a couple young brothers out here. Like I said, they're both that chocolate liver colored, and they got uh, they've actually got a bunch of payday blood in them. They're kind of bred top and bottom. They're off of his own. Uh, let's see, they're off of a grandson of his called Bozo, which. Seth Graham's own, and that dog's only been bred a few times, but he's really showing to be a really good reproducer, and that's the daddy. And then their mama is a female office. Again, Seth's got a dog called Cash, which is a payday grandson. He he was off the money dog, which was also Credit's daddy, so he'd be a half-brother. And he won quite a bit through the years back in the day, and I think he was reserve world champion a couple times and just caught bad breaks. I mean, the dog could have really, he's the kind of dog that really could have been a multiple world champion because I hunted with him. And What was his was name? The dog's Cash. His Cash. name's Cash. He called gotcha. him Johnny, yeah, Johnny Cash, but he called him Cash. And uh, But he was a really good dog. Well, these pups I got, the mama is off of him, and then the daddy's off a of show-off, and so they're both uh, one of them's a son of well, they're both grandsons of payday. But anyway, they're, they're payday bred. I call it top and bottom. But I like them. I've never entered them in a hunt yet. I have turned them loose once or twice with a pretty salty dog just to sort of see how they fared. And they act like they're going to be able to compete. You know, they, they get gone quick. They get treed fast. They're they showing to be extremely independent. I mean, I ain't seen them so far. One day I went with a really good dog with a loud mouth and a hard tree dog and we was split treed the whole time, and you know I never was on tree with him, and they was they was split all the time. But I've got a lot of high hopes for them. I've got them too, and then I've got some younger stuff out here. I actually bred Spirit uh, recently, but it's too early to tell. I use some frozen semen, and I don't know if she, I don't know if she tough yet. She's only been bred about three weeks, and it's too early to tell. But and then Joy's getting some age on her, but. I'll probably try to at least raise one more litter off of her if I can, and I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm weighing out my options on what to breed to or which route to go, but uh, I'll probably try to raise some pups off of her, One, you know, try one more time. But I've still just kind of got that same. I've been hunting these bird dog crosses now for probably over 35 years, you know, the bird dog crosses. Chewy, that's uh, that's but hey, you get something, you know. I'll fix and say, you know, that's a long time to hunt a line of dogs, but if you think of it, you know, that's that's the dog that you like, and I mean, why change it if they suit you that much, you know? Why change? Well, that's been my I know guys every time you talk to them, they're, they're hunting something different. I mean, I've known guys that this this month, you know, they've got into feist and they're the greatest. And then next time you talk to them, they're hunting lake is. And I mean, through the years, I've seen them just switch from one breed to the next. And sometimes they come back to where they first started. But after I seen what the bird dog had to offer and what, and I'm a very hard to please people that really, really know me. I'm about as hard to please on a dog and about as critical on one as anybody. I mean, I, I'm, I know none of them is perfect, and I ain't never had a perfect one, but they they really they don't make too awful very bad mistakes and, and stay here for a long, long time. And, and, and of course, I've sold many of them that I didn't even want to sell. I come from a family. My grandpa, I've mentioned him a lot. Years and years ago, I had a really good coon dog, and I was offered some real serious money. And at the time, I didn't even really realize. I kind of couldn't comprehend how much I was being offered. I I remember the price. I ended up I was offered thirty five hundred, but this was in like nineteen eighty, 
a man 3,500 in 1980, I didn't really realize back in, you know, looking back, I mean, that by today's money, I mean, that had to have to be, you know, it was a lot of money, especially back then. Of course, he was a, he was a fine little coon hound. And, uh, but anyway, but what I was going to say, my grandpa always, he would encourage me if the money really got up there to probably let him go because he said he's seen so many times something happened to him. And, and I did too. And so a lot of times it wasn't really that I liked money better than I liked a good dog, but it's almost like I'd be afraid to turn down a big, big price for something, thinking that something could happen to it. Or, And I've sort of, as I've got older, I really have sort of changed on that, and I, I'm more apt to take the pressure. And, uh, of course, I might have needed the money worse back then, too, and it was more of a temptation, and, and I would just be afraid to turn down the big money. But I've sold a lot of really good squirrel dogs through the years, and a lot of times, the the sad part, they just went to pleasure hunters that never really got to, you know, got shown or people didn't get to see them out in the competition world. But they was very, very capable of, of winning big, you know, and, and really making a name. And, and sometimes I look back, I think, man, I, you know, that's the part I regretted the worst, that they didn't get in the right hands to where people could, you know, they could have been seen and people would have knew about them, you know, and stuff. That's right. And, you know, there's always that, dang, I don't know if I should sell this one, you know, but I've come to the realize, you know, like at, at this point in my life, you know, I sold a female the other day that I really didn't want to sell. I just didn't, but I knew she was go setting my pen and I just had to move her. I just felt I owed it to her to, to go to somebody that would hunt her, you know, so I sold her. Uh, but again, like I said, I you know, I just wanted to, you know, get with you and, 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 and talk about your line of dogs and stuff that you've had so much success with. Because, I mean, like I said, we didn't really even, te- you know, we ain't even, you ain't even told what all, Joy, what you want with Joy, you know. So I'd like to hear that before we get off and, you know, just, you know, what your plans are and, and, and stuff like that, whatever you want to talk about. Well, Chris, uh, on Joy, like I said, she's been a fun little dog, and, and she'll die out here. I mean, you know, she's got old, and, of course, I did end up at one point, you know, Chris Gilmer, when, when we, the way Chris Gilmer and I have come across and got to know each other, I actually was trying to track down the money dog that was Credit's daddy and the cash dog's daddy. I was trying to find out where he was at to, to breed to him, and I called to a guy that I knew that where I'd sold him, and he said, well, I kept him for quite a while, but I ended up selling him, he said, for the last year or so, Chris Gilmer in Arkansas got him, but he told me what a nice guy Chris was, and I told him what I was trying to track the dog down for, because I, I was wanting to breed a female to him, and so anyway, he put me in touch, gave me Chris's number, and, and of course, when I got a hold of Chris, I found out, it's just like the guy said, he was a... Uh, just any way in the world he could help or be of assistance. He was that kind of a fellow, so he let me use the dog and breed to him and all that. Well, that's how we got acquainted, and then he invited me to go hunting with him, and I took Joy over there. She was really young at the time, only about – I'd never put her in a squirrel hunt or anything at this point. She was only probably about 13 or 14 months old, and and I never wanted to put them dogs in hunts too quick. I didn't want to set them up for failure or – take a chance like you talked earlier, maybe get a dog, get mean with them at a tree or just something that could happen that I think could really set a young dog back. So sometimes even like these dogs that I got out here right now that I mentioned, it's two, they're two-year-old, 
I mean, I'm going to probably start putting them in some hunts this winter, you know, uh, in the first part of spring, but I've just intentionally kind of not been in a big hurry to, to promote them or take them. I always waited till they was up, usually close to a two-year-old dog. That was just, my, just the way I did. I usually always had something older that I could take, and I just put the back ones on the back burner when it comes to the hunts till they got a little age. But, but back about Joy, well, when Chris watched her hunt, of course, Chris has owned, you know, Chris owned Humber. Chris owned Big Play Ray. He owned Red Bud. He owned Rage. And I don't know whatever. I mean, he owned a lot of the big, big name mountain cur dogs. And, and Chris, had, you know, he'd had some real quality dogs. But anyway, but I went over there. He invited me to come over there for a pleasure hunt. And I took Joy. She was just real young. And, and she really did kind of show out over there the very first time he ever watched her. And he just he just went on and on. He said, my Lord, I mean, you know, he, I mean, she did some of that stuff like Joey Poston was talking about credits. You know, she just would be in there and be treed quick, you know, in there pretty good distance in a hurry and have the squirrel and, I mean, get her off that one, wham, she'd have another one. And she did all that. Well, at the end of the hunt, their little pleasure hunt, Chris kind of, he said, would you sell her? Would you price her? And I said, man, I, I don't want to sell her. I said, I'm bad to sell them, but I like her, and you know what? She'll fit. I wanted to raise pups, you know what I mean? I wanted to do things with her, and I said, I just I don't want to get rid of her. And so anyway, I didn't sell her, and then a little bit later, I won't go into all of it, but um, other people tried to buy her, and then Chris ended up saying, well, I'd be interested in another option. I'd buy half of her, and we'd partner, but you just keep her and keep hunting her. And so anyway, we messed around and ended up doing that, and uh of course, Chris has been an outstanding uh, partner on dogs, and so we partnered and have been partners all these years and uh, on Joy first, and then we ended up partnering on other squirrel dogs a time or two and then coon dogs as well. But he's uh, he's been a really good uh, blessing to me. You know, nowadays with the price of dogs and then what it takes to try to promote them and run up and down the road with them and all that, it can really be a blessing if you got a somebody that can share the expense and share things with you. And, and of course, Chris has been really good to do that. And, and uh, we've become really close, good friends. And, and he's a first-class guy. There's another guy I'll just kind of mention that named Shaq McCullough. And Shaq and I, we've, we've partnered on a couple coon hounds. And Shaq's a, both of these men are just first-class stand-up, you know, uh, guys that you would be, you know, be a, uh, privilege to be associated and partnered with with either one of them and uh so anyway but joy he's asking about what she's won i mean of course i won this oklahoma state hunt a couple times in the arkansas state hunt in the missouri state i've won several state championships and uh then i've made it into like semifinals of some of the bigger hunts and and uh different things but um the big hunt that she got a lot of recognition on was when she won the NSD National Championship there in Kentucky, and uh, she won the Polaris uh, Ranger and a trailer and everything, and that was actually a big hunt. There was 60-something dogs, if I remember right, and, and pretty much at, that was in, uh, I think that was in like December of 2018, or I believe, I believe it was, but anyhow, she... Uh, it come down, you know, Greg, we, I mentioned him earlier and what, uh, of course, Greg's become a friend of mine. Like we, we hunted against each other way, way. We was at the very first PKC world hunt way, way back there. 
and we we drew each other and hunted and of course he'd always have something you know a good dog on his lead too and uh is that when he was anyway, hunting that little feist uh he had and he have a nice little feist or something they hunted well, way back then, he actually had a dog. I remember his name. He called him Pac-Man, and uh, I was hunting the dog, a female called Goldmine, which was out of payday. And uh, and anyway, uh, I actually come out on top that day. But of course, Chris—I mean, excuse me—Greg's uh, beat me more times than I want to talk about. I mean, we always, you know, we knew when we drew each other, we was usually going to have a good hunt, and it was going to be a competitive hunt and but but i got i got a lot of respect for greg and and anyway we uh we you know through the years you know of course we when when i say bumped heads i just mean we drew each other and competed against each other i don't guess greg and i's ever had a crossword that i ever remember and like i said i consider him a friend and thank a lot of him and but back then he was hunting a dog called pac-man and i had gold mine but but in this in this nsd national championship hunt that uh, that joy won she just i mean even though she had been good before and good after and all that she she's had a good longevity of staying consistent and you know i feel like she was a you know had a shot in any hunt i ever entered her in i always felt that way about her and uh, even up though it not you know even the last ones i put her in even when she started to get a little age i mean she still she still competed and done good but but back down there that time, it, uh, I think you know the third dog, but I can't remember. But anyway, Greg was hunting the blackout female, which is a, really a quality dog. And it come down there in the final. That was the, in, that was the, the Bubba dog, correct? I believe it was. I, I, hunt, I hunted him. Dog. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I had a, uh, we had a USDC hunt in the Mississippi Delta two weekends ago. And I handled him for Miles Miller on Bubba. Now I, I mean, you know, he's he wasn't really hunted up, but I mean, I like his uh, Bubba's. He got under squirrels, and you know, he just he's getting some age on him. But again, like I said, I liked how he handled, and I mean, I like the dog. Just be honest. Yeah, he was a quality dog, and he had already beat some really good dogs to get to the final. Because I mean, there was sixty. That was a large hunt. I want to say sixty some odd. I forget the exact number, but I'm pretty positive it was in the sixties going by memory but anyway we had uh, and i think that was the hunt in the semi that would get me in the final it was down to like six dogs so they had like three heads up cast to come up with the final three and i drew john perkins uh and um his dog the walker dog and i mean he he was of course he was a real dog and had won all kind of stuff already was that, and a top dog were you talking about what was who'd you say john John Perk, uh, yeah, uh, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, John. Because there's John and Michael, and of course Michael hunted Woody. And That's correct. What was that? John had what was the other cruise, 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 Big Creek cruise. Now every now and then I'll have a senior moment. I'm getting a little old, you know. But yeah, cruise. I was trying to think the dog's name. He was hunting cruise, so we, we, we drew up, drew out heads up. But boy, Joy really was. I don't know. You, you almost know. Like I said, it wasn't like that's the only time she'd ever looked that good, but she was she was doing her thing and she was really clicking and and boy, I was just uh, you know I was really you know every time I advanced, I mean I thought she was really doing some good dog work. So we we make it down into that final and um, and really 
Uh, I mean, all three dogs, I mean, Blackout and, and Bubba and, and Joy, I mean, we've seen some really good dog work on that final. But we had quite a few, you know, a fair amount of spectators to watch that final. And, uh, and of course, you know, Joy was really, I mean, she was doing her thing. You know, she was always somewhere, which they all was. They was all real independent. I don't think we ever had two dogs on one tree that whole final. But anyway, they was, they was always split in different places. But she... Uh, I forget how many she treed. I mean, she treed several in that final, but she actually had every single squirrel. One, one squirrel, we went to this tree, and it was a big old good-looking tree, and it had several trees, and they all tied. And anyway, we looked at this one tree till the time. I used a full five-minute search time because I knew, I knew there was a squirrel somewhere there if I could find it. Well, finally, uh, actually, Rod Hardy was the main judge. He had a couple... He had a couple alternates where if we had split trees, he would send an alternate to somebody, and then he would come score the tree. But that way, if a squirrel was to have embered and one of these alternates seen it, you know, you could get your credit and stuff for it. It was a, I mean, they really, that was NSD, but they really, not just because I come out on top, but I thought they did a first-class job on the way, you know, the way they conducted it and the way they ran it and all that. That's a good organization, too. And uh, But anyway, on that final on this one particular tree, the five-minute time expired, and we didn't find the squirrel. And so Rod said, "I'm gonna, of course, it was a big tree. He said, I'm circling it, grab her, and let's go. About that time, literally, it's like you dropped that squirrel out of the sky. That squirrel fell right in the middle of all of them. <laughs> and, I mean, it jumped from somewhere, and we all wondered how in the world we missed that squirrel. And we'd been shaking stuff and doing stuff, and, and that squirrel was just holding tight somewhere. And uh, but anyway, I didn't actually get to score that one because you know it's just about 15 seconds after the search time was up. But she actually, I mean, we all seen it. Everybody did. But really, with 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 exception of that, I mean, she plussed on every other tree that day. We looked at the squirrel every time, and and she was you know treeing them. But I think that really a lot of people was taking notice about you know the bird dog you heard know, there she is a little nearly a solid white dog, and they was watching her and. You know, I had a lot of people come to me when that hunt was over and said, I mean, I, I think that was some of the finest dog work I've ever seen. Them. You know, they really was compliment, which I appreciate them, their kind words and what they had to say about her. But she uh, she was, you know, she was kind of hitting on all cylinders, and uh, that was the biggest win I had with her. And I really had trouble. She's such a hard-going, big-hunting dog. A couple of the world hunts I put her in, I, she got out of pocket, like got over big hills on me and would get somewhere and, and I'd ask for a timeout, but I couldn't get her retrieved and get back. I know a couple of times I got scratched because I couldn't, you know, I was just, as my only hope was to ask for a timeout and hope I could go get her and get her back and get, you know, and by the time I'd get somewhere and get her retrieved and get back, I'd miss the, you know, miss the deadline. But, uh, but she's been a fun, she's really been a fun little dog that I, I'm going to really miss when she's gone. We'd like to take this time to thank Mr. Jeff Island with the Ground Floor Landscape Supply for his support in the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. Thank you. Hey guys, Bob Osborne with Timber Creek Dog Supply is a one-stop shop for dog supplies and hunting gear. He carries everything from coon lights and squalors to hip boots and tracking gear. So if you are in need for some new outerwear, a new thermal, or just a leading collar, check out Timber Creek at 
timbercreeksupply.com or by phone at 662-230-7410. And if you are ever in the Oxford, Mississippi area, go check out Bob's store. And uh, something else I wanted to say uh, to Chris, just talking, I've had a, I've had kind of a dream and a vision, you know, everybody, of course, you know, I said earlier, I'm a coon hunter and a squirrel hunter. I mean, I'm a tree dog man and, and like both, but I, I've had a vision of hunting a night dog, you know, a coon hound and, um, and making a, uh, and making a coon dog out of a part bird dog, put that same ingredient. And I feel like the same thing that you get, you know, that, that makes a really good squirrel dog, them same ingredients, I mean, speed and accuracy and, indep- you know, and of course that stock of dogs was independent. But anyway, all them same things that I look for in a squirrel dog, I, I like them same traits in a good coon dog. So I've, I've, I'm actually hunting some part bird dogs. Uh, I, I had a really nice English female that I kept for five and a half years and really enjoyed her and liked her a lot. And I actually bred her to the Gunsmoke dog. And I'm, I'm playing with some pups right now out of out of that now that's three-quarter hound and a quarter bird dog, and they're pretty tight on the ground. They may open a little here and there, but for the most part, they're, put, they're tight. But they're, they're, I don't know how good they're going to turn out to be in competition. I, I hadn't really tried them in competition yet. but Well, if they, they, don't, work in, in if they don't work at night, you could always try to try them during the day. Yeah, there's a there's actually a littermate brother to them dogs that Randy Stevens down in uh, Paris, Texas has got one of them, and he calls oh, him Cotton. Yeah. I know exactly. And, what and, dog that yeah, is. that well, see that dog's out of gun smoke and flow, but all he's ever done is, is squirrel hunt him, and that dog's already won like two or three state titles, and he's been in some. I mean, that dog's he's good now, and he's just going to get better. But yeah, he he went the squirrel dog route with him, and. And it's been having some really good success. I mean, even from a real early age, that's a nice dog. But that's one of them pups. And but I really actually made that cross for a coon dog cross, really, because I wanted to. I super staked them and everything in the PKC paid gun smoke up, and you know made a super stake sire out of him and everything. And and I've got a pair of them out here, and I know where a couple others is. That's all tree and coons and more real accurate and got a lot of hunt and anyway still still to be determined if there'll ever be any of them be big time winning coon hounds but uh night dogs but they they are showing some things that i'd hope to see but i had an uncle that i had a lot of respect for and that i thought was a really really good dog man named joe joseph miller he used to he loved the coon hunt and squirrel hunt and he hunted and watched the payday and that pot and a lot of them, you know, he hunted with me and hunted, and he owned some of them. He got dogs off of me, and he had some of them. And anyway, he always said, you know, if I, he said, nephew, if you'd make a coon, you know, a night dog, coon dog out of one of them, I, I think they could really, you know, could really be a force in the night hunts just because of the way they move around, the way they do things. So that's been something that I'm kind of trying now, but I've had it on my mind for a long, long time. And, uh, Anyway, it's been something that I, I enjoy. I'll give one little shout-out to a good friend of mine. I've met so many nice people and, and become good friends with so many people through my dogs and through hunting, and the Lord's really been good to me and blessed me. And uh, like I say, so many good friends. And uh, there's a friend of mine named Jim Hernsberger over in Arkansas. He lives in Warren, Arkansas. And I talk about that I hunt a whole lot by myself, and I do. 
But Jim, now he's my, we call, I call him a virtual coon hunter. He coon hunts from the, I, I guess, from the recliner at the house, you know, and uh, it's kind of funny. He'll call some <laughs> night. He'll say, he'll say, are we going hunting tonight? And I said, yeah, I'm on my way down. He said, well, I was about to give up on you. I was going to go to bed if you didn't holler at me. And anyway, he 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 tags along with me on the phone a lot of nights and uh but he's a he's a dear friend of mine probably actually probably my best friend and That's uh, right friends. there you know yeah, <laughs> i think yeah, it's funny he, that uh, that that you know that he's like i mean we go go hunting or, or you just go not hunt tonight i mean what are we doing here you know i can't go hunting because you ain't going hunting. you know i thought that was pretty cool yeah, I just kind of give it a shout out to him, but he, I think he kind of deep down worries about me a little bit out there by myself, and I tell him not to worry about me. But anyway, but he'll check on me a lot of nights. He'll stay with me, and even if I hunt to way up some nights, we we hunt pretty late. You know, he sticks with me on the phone. But uh, and another little funny thing is after I sold the flow female, I really missed her because she was a coon treer and just, just night in, night out. She was so consistent and very, very accurate. And I mean, only the good Lord knows how many coons I've treed with her in five and a half years that I owned her. But after, after I got rid of her and sold her and really, I regret it really, but I, I sold her. But anyway, I got to hunting different dogs and trying dogs and hunting these young dogs. And I mean, I've treed some coons since she's left here, but but I will say the country and slowed way down after she left. And, oh, I get tickled at Jim, the guy I mentioned. Uh, he said, when you had flow, we treated a lot of coon together when you had flow. I said, yeah. I said, the country and it slowed down for sure, you know, since she left here. And uh, so anyway, uh, but, yeah, he's he's a dear friend. and uh, I, But I've got a lot of. Like I say, the good Lord's blessed me with a lot of good friends through the hunting and through the dogs. And, I mean, mentioned Joey Poston and, of course, Greg and Rod. I mean, just on and on, you know, these guys, they, there's so many of them. And, and Squirrel and Coon both, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a, in a way, they're a pretty close-knit family, you know, the, the hunters. I mean, once they, they're there for you, I've watched, we had a coon hunter here not too long ago, lost a uh, son in a tragic accident and an ATV accident and a good family. And it was just a sad situation. And, uh, you know, I watched, uh, I watched the hunters come together here for that guy. And it made me kind of, you know, uh, thankful to, you know, just to see that I was associated with a group of guys that really stepped up and I mean, they had all kind of fundraisers and did all kind of stuff to help that family. And I even told the, the man, I said, you know, just to watch people just, you know, get their love to you and show, you know, it shows you there still is some good people out there and seem like there is, uh, I mean, we know that there's, there can be a bad apple in anything and in the dog world and the hunt world too, but that there's a lot of good guys also. That's exactly right. You said a mouthful because, you know, I've met so many good people doing this and, you know, some of these interviews that I've done or most of these interviews that I've done, you know, some, you know, I personally knew some I haven't, you know, physically met and stuff. But, you know, I enjoy talking dogs, period, you know, but I really enjoy talking squirrel dogs. Uh, I just, I don't know, man, I grew up fooling with dogs and, you know, I was brought in my grandparents and parents you know i just i've always fooled with dogs we've had some kind of dog you know i'm not a, i'm not the best trainer at all but 
I really like good dog work and you know I've been fortunate enough to have some okay dogs but you know I'm still looking for that you know that world beater for sure so that's that's uh that's that's my goal at some point to get get pacing through school but I don't want to rush that for sure you know <laughs> but uh I want to uh you know I enjoy going to the competition hunts and like I said I'm not gonna get out totally but I'm gonna slow down some and uh do his thing and man like i said i just enjoy talking dogs and and then fooling with dogs i've met a lot of good people well you know of course i enjoy both i enjoy the squirrel hunts and the coon hunts both and the you know coon hunting and squirrel hunting both and it does kind of sometimes it gets a little tough i mean you stay out coon hunting pretty late then to get up real early and get in the squirrel woods again and and a lot of times during really squirrel season, and I mean during the cool weather, I'm I a lot of times leave out and stay gone all day and come in after dark. I mean I hunt all day. Got a little horse I ride sometimes. I I'm really blessed. The Lord's really you know I feel like I got got good health for my age and I can walk and don't hardly get tired and you know I'm still been able to do all that and I'm I'm thankful for it. Uh, but I also boy I got a little horse and I love to saddle him and squirrel hunt off of him. He just can you know kind of. It, you know, he gets you there in a hurry, and he's toting your gun and your squirrels and everything else. It's it's a fun way to hunt, but uh, but I did start to say it's you know when you've got both sports and you're trying to give almost sometimes one or you know it'll get it'll one will get in the way or it, it'll hinder a little bit. It's just hard to do it all. You can't hunt around the clock, and of course trying to night hunt and like I say and day hunt both, it it can get a little tough at times when you're trying to do both and keep all dogs sharp and hunted up like we talked about earlier that's exactly right and you know no matter how hard you can you know you want to hunt you know you got to you know do the right thing and be there you know for your family and stuff you know take care of business at home but you know it's tough like i said it's uh it's real tough to to keep a good dog you know in in shape i mean they have you know I hate to, you know, downplay the pleasure dogs because there's people that pleasure hunt every day. Lee Langley and them, they hunt every day, and their dogs are in shape. You know, uh, me, I, you know, I don't get to hunt a lot, um, you know, maybe an hour or so each day. And, you know, I just, I don't know, man. I just, at some point, I won't, you know, at the time of my life I'm at right now, I feel like I need something that's, that's already tree and going, you know, that I can, you know, that don't need much maintenance, I guess. Nothing that's high maintenance is, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, something that, you know, I'm not going to be able to go compete at the world hunts, but, you know, I'd like to go, you know, steal tree squirrels at, at the local hunts, you know. So, I don't know. I'm going to see how it works, and, and I'm sure I'll go through some dogs and, until I find what I need and or what I'm looking for, but, you know, uh, until then, I'm gonna. I guess I'll be the uh, your buddy that's hunting from the uh, from the lazy boy chair. I'm gonna just be hunting. I guess I'll hunt with on on the podcast. <laughs> well, Chris, I'll I'd tell you because you know you you sure spend all the time you can with your kids and everything. They grow up quicker than you want them to. And some people say they don't have any regrets, and and I can't say that. I. I didn't mean to be selfish, but I loved to hunt so much and, and stuff. Looking back, I, I was I wished I'd have spent and done more with probably my, my daughter, uh, maybe my daughter, Brooke, and uh, my son, Jared. Uh, I tried to take him and do things, and that's one reason why at a certain point, like I said, 
I, I went more the squirrel dog route to try to include the kids and especially him and kind of got out of the coon hunting for several years. And then, of course, as I got older and got out, got gone, well, I, I still enjoyed, you know, I missed the coon hunting, I guess. So I got back in it and I do both. But but I would tell any parent, you know, do all you can with your kids because I, I could have, you know, really deep down, I could have been a better father, and I know I could have and wished I could go back and change some things, but I can't now. And uh, so anyway, I commend you for doing all you possibly can with your children. And, uh, and you know, it's um, uh, there's not that many hunters like there was at one time. Boy, I used to know some people that, that I mean, they laid with a dog. I'm talking some of these were squirrel hunters, some of them was coon hunters, but uh, whichever the case might be, I knew guys that squirrel hunted almost every day. They didn't hardly miss days, and I knew and I knew coon hunters that hunted almost every single night and didn't very seldom miss a night. They and I really don't know that many people that hunts like that. Not not that terribly hard like these that I'm talking about in the past. But uh, but anyway, it it does. I mean, it takes a lot to like we talked about. A lot of people don't realize, but it it takes a lot to to make a dog and then once they make it to keep them there it really it's uh you know it takes a lot on the person's part to if you want to have that kind of a dog and, and it's a sacrifice really to you know to to end up with that kind of a a, a dog there's been a lot of you can imagine been a lot of hours and time and a lot of footsteps and i call it boot leather put into that to, to get to that point somebody now so you may if a man's got the money he may buy that kind of a dog from somebody and anybody had never actually did anything but just purchased the dog but somewhere in that dog's background he didn't get to be a very a top top you know dominant winning type dog whether it's a coon dog or a squirrel dog they didn't get there by you know sitting in the pen they had to really be hunted and and handled in the right way and all that uh, ever achieved that for sure you're exactly right exactly right because i mean you ain't gonna make them i've always been one that said that you know if it's a if it's 30 minutes before dark you know that's when i was pushing tank two or three years ago you know i would if he just made one tree you know if i only had time to make him one tree i would let him go in there and make one tree and i'd leave him tree 20 minutes you know sit back up 75 80 yards and just watch him and you know just make sure he didn't get down and stuff you know he wasn't ever bad to do that but you know i just if i had to let you know let him make one tree i mean i just felt like he definitely wouldn't go you know it was helping versus hurting him you know yeah and when you get a dog like that and, and you know you just you just want to and you really enjoy hunting them. I mean, you can you could come a little bit obsessed with it. You know, my payday dog. I mean, when I asked it, I've really been blessed to own. I'm not trying to, but I, I've really been blessed to own some really good dogs. You know, night and day. I mean, you know, I've, I've owned, owned them squirrel dogs that won the world squirrel hunt and stuff. And then in the coon dog, you know, I, I sold a dog a few years ago, a Walker female, and not really too long after I sold her, maybe three or four months after I sold her, she won the PKC World Hunt. And then I've had dogs that won the one pickup trucks on Coon, and I didn't win it with them, but the dog won it. And then I've had dogs that pro dog of the year. I mean, not trying to impress nobody, but I've just been blessed to own some really nice, even some nice hounds in my lifetime. But uh, but you know, all them dogs, uh, they uh, they all they all just you know it, it required it required a lot of hunting and, and all that, and uh, you know uh, it's. Uh, just uh, I was trying to think how to put it, but uh, um, well, anyway, they 
But them dogs, I know one thing I was going to say is even out of all them dogs, I do have an all-time favorite. I done mentioned him, the payday dog. And to me, he was the most, if you really want to call it, kind of a freak of nature. I mean, that dog just was, he just do things you almost couldn't believe he was watching him do. He just, he just was that kind of a dominant athlete. And like I said, the fastest, hardest-going dog i ever seen and all that. But I know what I was going to say. I got a little sidetracked. At one point, that dog got shot one time. And he, he made it to me in the woods and collapsed at my feet. And I was wrapped up in that dog. I had done one the world with him one time at that point, and I knew he was a very, very special dog. And, and you know, it, you almost had to be careful, you know, because you just not to get proud about him because he, he really was just people just would go on and on about it. I ain't never seen nothing, you know, hunt like that dog or operate, you know, go like that dog. And, but anyway, when he got shot that time, Chris, he made it to me and he collapsed at my feet. And I've even give this testimony at church a few times. And I've told people this story and I just thought I'd share it right here. When that dog made it to me, he really appeared to be, he appeared to die at my feet. It's like once he made it to me, he collapsed right there at my feet. And actually the man that my virtual coon hunting buddy, I mentioned earlier, Jim Ernsberger, which is a, very good godly person, a good Christian man. He was there and uh, also was uh, a guy named Tim Chapman. We was pleasure hunting in Arkansas. And anyway, I told Jim, I said, Jim, pray with me. I'm going to pray for this dog. And I really thought he was dead. He appeared dead. But, you know, when I prayed about that dog, I said, Lord, you know what this dog means to me. and You know how special he is to me. But I said, but, Lord, if this dog's a stumbling block in between me and you, you can take this dog. And I said, you can, uh, uh, you know, you, you just take him because he don't mean that much. If this dog's getting in the way of me serving you or or I put this dog in a place where he don't need to be or, or anything like that, I, I don't want to, I don't even want you to raise him up for me. But if you think I can own this dog and I can enjoy him and I can have him and still serve you and keep everything in its right perspective, I'd love to see you raise this dog up. And, you know, when we got through praying, Jim prayed with me, and uh, we prayed for that dog. We got through praying for him. Old Payday raised his head up and looked at me and stuff. And anyway, turned out he was shot right between, missed his heart by just a, just centimeters, missed his lung, and went between two ribs and all that. He was shot through and through. But anyway, the dog, that was when he was probably about a three-year-old dog, and he lived to be 15, and, and uh, I did sell that dog one time, and I was so sick over it uh, that I I got a chance to buy him back. And that time when I bought him back, he, uh, another guy named Tommy Gates that is another really good friend of mine, and Tommy would really put some pressure on you to try to buy your good dogs, and he would give good money back. We're talking now 15, 20, you know, 15 years or so ago or 20, however long, been a long time now. Uh, he would give good money back then when dogs wasn't, well, I guess it'd be, because see, Payday won the world hunt in 90. Here we are in 2022. So, my goodness, that's 32 years. So, yeah, Tommy would Tommy would give you good money for dogs back, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, and he would really put some pressure on you to try to buy them, and a lot of times he got them. So I sold him Payday <laughs> at one point. He and, pushed his weight around. Was, uh. he pushed it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, you know, and, and my goodness. And I was, I was. you talk about a sad guy. When I sold Payday, 
my wife said, you walking around like a man that's lost his very best friend. I said, well, that's about what it's like. I said, my goodness, you know, and of course a woman or a lot of, even a lot of people wouldn't understand, but I know you don't run out there and find another payday just somewhere. I mean, he was just one of them dogs that just don't come along, but maybe once. I mean, he did sour a lot of pups. It was a whole lot like him and real similar. And he put a lot of, you know, so I was thankful for that. But, but anyway, I just wanted to tell that little story about the Lord raising that dog up and letting me keep him all them years. And like I said, I sold him and Tommy owned him for like six or seven months. And then he offered to sell him back. And that time when I got him back, I never would even price him or offer to sell him again. And, and of course he's buried out here, but, uh, but anyway, uh, just some of these stories, Chris, I probably could just keep talking, but uh, but anyway, I've, I've enjoyed this. It's Heck been a yeah. lot of fun, and I, I appreciate it. I hope I ain't wore people no. out too much. But, no. but but you're talking to a guy that's hunted for about 50 years. Well, so I've got, believe me, I didn't tell all the stories. If anybody <laughs> wants to call me and visit with me, I've got more. I can tell right. a lot, of, that is a lot ex- of memorable hunts and stuff in the coon hunts and squirrel hunts. I've got a lot of real memorable hunts I could share and there's a lot of things I could say and like I said, probably have said plenty, but I, I've enjoyed it and and again, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to get to talk and, and to, you know, share some of my experiences and tell maybe some about the bird dog crosses and you know, to tell a little bit about some of my dogs and, and some of the things. I really enjoyed the opportunity. Well, I appreciate you for sure getting, you know, taking the time to do it. We've been at it two hours and three minutes. Um, but you know, I always like to give thanks to you know the good Lord because he, you know, without him, we don't even we don't deserve the stuff that he's given us for sure. You know, we don't we don't deserve the you know. I mean, we're not worthy. We're really not. You know, he just. I mean, he died on the cross. You know, I just. I don't know. I just like to give thanks to him because man i was in a bad way for years and you know i come out of a a deep dark pit you know and and got my life right and man i you know i have no intentions to ever go back to that lifestyle you know the drinking and the partying and stuff and i just uh i'm in a better better place and you know these dogs they do they bring me joy you know like your joy dog these dogs you know that we fool with they bring me joy and I enjoy going out on a Saturday morning or a Friday evening after work and cutting a dog loose and, you know, seeing it tree and work. And I mean, I just, like I said, I've, you know, I've been blessed by God to be able to do this. And man, I just, I mean, like I said, I just, I love him. And, and I, and you know, you don't really think about the people, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is like before I got saved, you know, obviously you know jesus never came up very seldom you know and if it did you know you know i would you know we would get off subject because we you know we felt you know if we felt bad for talking about jesus and we're sitting there drinking beer or whiskey or something you know and like i said i mean i've you know i may have told this story to somebody but i mean i'd been at a I've been in a convenience store on a Friday evening, walk in and, you know, my pastor at my church now, you know, walk in and I'd be toting around a 20, uh, you know, a case of beer. I'd set it down and walk off so he wouldn't see me with it. You know, I was embarrassed, you know, but 
with that being said, you know, he knew the whole time, you know, he's told me, you know, me and him are really good friends right now. And, you know, he's told me, he's like, I knew what you was doing, brother. You didn't have to lie. You know, you didn't have to hide from me, you know, and then we just have a good relationship and stuff like that. But anyway, without all that being said, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful of, of the lifestyle that I live now versus my old life, you know, so I get to talk Jesus to people and talk dogs. I mean, there ain't nothing no better than that for sure. Well, you know, Chris, like I said, I, I still appreciate good people. I mean, we're old country. Everybody knows. I mean, it's in sad shape and, you know, seem like that we don't, you know, I'm talking about as a nation, they don't have any moral values anymore. And they said in the end times, they'd call evil good and good evil. And that's right where we are nowadays. And, you know, they, they try, if you stand up for, against sin and against things that's wrong, they try to call it hate and turn it around on you and, to make you the bad person and stuff but i still love to meet people and talk to people like you and, and others that take a stand for the lord and give him the recognition he does you know try to give him the recognition he deserves and like you said none of us is worthy it's just by the grace of the good lord and i've got he's been so good to me some people think you know you go to church you can't have no fun i mean they feel like that you know like you said partying and you know, drinking or whatever and out running around, you know, they feel like that, you know, well, I'd, I'd get in church, but I'd quit, you know, I'd quit. They just almost feel like it's boring and stuff. Well, it's not. If it is, you're in the wrong church. And But, you know, I, I got so much to be thankful for as well. I mean, the Lord's been so good to me. I mean, they even let me do things that I enjoy. And, and of course, I, I love to go to church. I love to serve the Lord. I come from a family, uh, not only was a lot of my family, um, hunters, I, I've actually come from a godly, you know, family. My dad was a minister, and my uncle was a minister, and anyway, my grandparents was real active in the church, and so I've got a lot of good memories, and I'm thankful for my heritage, I guess you'd say, and but I'm thankful the Lord's, uh, you know, helped me and give me a chance, and uh, I, I hope I never let him down or turn my back and, you know, quit him or anything, and uh, I, uh, but I'm just like you. I got so much to to be thankful for, and uh, really don't want to ever take anything. Hope I I know it's easy to do it, and I'm sure I have did it. But I try not to ever take anything for granted that the Lord does. I mean, He's uh, He's been so good to all of us, and uh, we can never really actually repay Him. We just got to try to serve Him and and you know be a light for Him and in this dark world and just do the best we can do. That's that's what we're all. And I feel like if we do, you know, as long as we're striving and trying and, and uh, and you know, that's why I, yeah, I talked about old payday. I mean, I, I wanted the Lord to know that, I mean, he he meant a lot to me, but I, if it meant missing out with the Lord, I mean, I, you could take that dog or anything, you know, anything else, you know, because uh, we're all, we're all trying to, make heaven our home someday and we want to we want to do our part if we if the lord will help us and give us strength that's exactly right we you know i feel like you know it's my my duty to tell somebody about you know the lord you know if they really want salvation you know if they really you know tell them about it you know if they want you know if they want eternal life you know it's definitely in heaven you know it's so easy to to be you know to be worried with the world but you know in all reality we ought to just you know give everything to him and and you know just that that's it you know 
we should be thankful. I'm trying to, you know, like I said, I'm seven years. I'll be eight years uh, sober. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying, thankful every day, and I'm just trying to, you know, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to, to do right by him now, you know, because I'm, I, I feel, you know, I'm sorry for the way I acted, you know, years ago. But I mean, I guess I was being a guy, but still, they don't make it right, you know. But anyway, well, Mr. Keith, I show sure appreciate this time you've, you've given us, and uh, I show sure appreciate you coming on here and telling the world about your. Uh, I mean, your line of dogs and stuff and again like i said we got so much to talk about and we're over two hours now but we go uh we'll get together and we'll try to talk again about something else you know on down the road if you want to sounds good chris and like i say i appreciate you and for what you're standing for and you just be thankful that you did make the turn around and you you just stay on the straight and narrow and like i said i i know you're a lot younger than me but i i, I love to see people that's you know doing right and and trying because it's you know that that walking for the Lord and trying to do things right it's it's well you you can't outgive God but it's it's working that kind of like anything else if you're going to really be serious about it so I I'm glad to get to know guys like you and so I'm happy for you and and like I said I've enjoyed it as well and maybe we can talk again sometime and and I've really really enjoyed getting to visit with you. All right, brother. Well, I sure appreciate you, and I will. I'll shoot you a text. This will come out this week, or it'll come out Tuesday. So uh, I'll get it edited, and I'll probably start on it today. But uh, anyway, well, I'll give you a shout and let you know to tune in, and I'll share it with you, and uh, that way you can listen to it right there. All right, Chris. Lord bless you. And like again, been good talking to you. Yes, we'll sir. Be, we'll be in touch. Okay. Thank right, you, thank sir. You. Yes, sir. See you. All right, have a have a good evening. You thank too, buddy. Bye bye.